Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Jimmy, I'm going to assume as the holiday season will soon be upon us and it will be the first time that you and I have worked together during the holidays that you do most of your Christmas shopping online. Are you an Amazon shopper? Yeah, it's fair. Going to the mall is not probably your strong suit, right? That would be the equivalent of watching cable television. I did go wait in an Apple store line for the Apple wow, that's a good point. Uh, new phone. Because you probably don't have a shopping bag is what I'm getting Correct. at, right? Correct, yes. Because today is shopping day in the NFL. Indeed it is. Right? Countdown to the deadline. It is also, by the way, and I'm, I'm excited about this, I've never been... Like I've, I like Halloween in this fact. We went to the Newfield Harvest Lights. It was super cool. It was very cool, and just kind of the like. I've always wondered. I, I thought about this yesterday. I had this weird epiphany. We can, and there's a point I'm getting to because today is Halloween, and Happy Halloween, everybody. And there's a point that I'm getting to here. But you can live in Los Angeles. Carl here is born and raised in Los Angeles, Southern California guy, right? Wearing his Dodgers hat. Unfortunately, nobody's told him about like a month ago. (laughs) Most of LA doesn't know. That's right. (laughs) But all the movies and glitz and glamour are out of LA, right? Sure. And the banking and the money and, and all the investments is all out of New York. Yep. Indiana's just your good old flyover state. I get it. But yet every holiday, every holiday is based actually on the Midwest. Halloween, Halloween is about the harvest in in corn stalks and pumpkins and gourds and scarecrows and ghouls and goblins and like sweeping wind and dark skies and the moon peering out. And that's what it's like in, it ain't like that in LA in October, 72 degrees. <laughs> hotter yeah midwest you know the chill in the air for the first time right and and frost on the pumpkin that happens in indiana that doesn't happen in florida right yeah christmas time santa claus coming down the chimney big huge coat snowman frosty all that rudolph it's, yeah rudolph that all happens there's no snow in corpus christi it's the midwest the whole the whole image of Christmas is based upon what it looks like in the Midwest in the wintertime. Easter time, spring, flowers finally blooming. Flowers are ubiquitous in Florida, like in Georgia, right? Yeah. Not in the Midwest. So I love all of the elements of Halloween of that. You know, the 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 spooky ghost stories and things like that. I will admit that I am Ebenezer Scrooge when it comes to dressing up for Halloween. People are like, you going to dress as Halloween this year? I'm like, what am I, 12? I'm not taking a pillowcase door to door. The last time I went trick-or-treating, I was like 13. I was with my buddies. We all thought we still, we all knew deep down we still wanted to trick-or-treat, but we were, peer pressure said we weren't supposed to. So we're like, yeah, I'm going this year, but I'm just dressing as a teenager. Deep down, though, we totally missed when we were like nine and ran door to door. And, you know, it was the challenge when you get there of like, which one's going to be able to ring the doorbell? Neighborhood was your kingdom. Totally, right? And like keeping track of who gave out what. 
but I had some good costumes when I was a kid. I looked forward to it every year to figure out. So this year, I got in the Halloween spirit. We went to Newfields. We went to the lights. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? I'm buying a Halloween costume. Jimmy and Eddie are young guys. They just quit trick-or-treating like five years ago. So I want to be like festive. Last year. and That's right. <laughs> and I want to do Halloween for them. And now I have the feeling that this is going to be terribly uncomfortable. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm the eternal optimist, though. I can turn, I try to turn negatives into positives. Now, you told me you were bringing in a Halloween mask. Indeed. I didn't know what you were bringing in. We didn't discuss this, right? Nope. We don't talk at all uh, when we're not on the air, not in a bad way, but you know, we, we go on about our separate they days and lives. They don't pay me for that, Jake. That's right. And then last night I saw you at the Pacer game briefly and gave you a head nod. You did. That was about it, right? Yep. Was it one of those sup? <laughs> Without the sup part, just yeah. the, just the bob, just yeah. the head nod from afar. We're not far enough along for verbals. But here's the uncomfortable thing: for those on the YouTube chat, we are both going to turn around, put on what we brought in for Halloween, unplanned, unprompted, unprepared, and then lo and behold, it's going to—it's seemingly, from what I can see out of the corner of my eye, this looks like a negative, but I think it turns into a positive. Are you ready? Yep. Here ready. we go. We can take the headsets off. Hang, right. stand by. We're we're putting them on now. Stand by. I'm turning around. Jake has his back to the window looking at Monument Circle. Jimmy is looking at the floor. Jake is putting on his said mask. The mask is sideways. Jimmy, I can't get an eyes on the headphones are back on Jimmy's ears. He's getting ready. Jake has to adjust it so the mask is fading his, I think his ears and his face. And what do you know? It's a meme. It's a meme. So here's the thing. Whoa. So the negative would be that we brought the same freaking mask. Man. Right? But the positive is, then I decided, I'm like, wait a minute, this is, like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm wearing a Spider-Man mask, it was on Amazon for $2.99, by the way. You can't hear me, so I'm gonna have to lift it up. You're wearing the same thing. You, you bought yep. the same thing. What are I the feel odds? like I'm looking at a scene from Spider-Man Did right you get now. the same email offer that I got? Probably. So now I decided the positive in this, because this is, this is again, what I try to do. I try to take po- negatives and turn them into positives. I take the negative of the Colts have lost three in a row and turn it into the positive of, but they're going to get a better draft pick to build around Anthony Richardson. Exactly. I take the negative of the Pacers last night lost to the Bulls, and I turn it into the positive of, but how often are they actually going to shoot like one of 12 from their wings from three-point range and, and still be within striking distance of the game? Sure. Right? I can't see anything now. But we the, the negative is we have the same mask. We didn't plan it. Correct. It's embarrassing. It's a little bit of an oversight. The positive is... Are you having problems getting that centered on your it's, face? It's, <laughs> no, it's very. T- it's way too small. Ah, uh, okay. The positive is we now actually are together a Halloween outfit. We are a meme, correct? Right? Yep. So are we supposed to stand like in the... Hold on. Is it like... like yeah. Well, technically, right? just, technically, just a point. Is that what it is? Yes, effectively. Okay. Yeah, I thought they're both like casting a. So we are the Spider-Man versus Spider-Man meme, right? Correct. Indeed, we are. This, is, but I've I bought. Here's the thing. I bought an extra large, but I'm looking at it now, and it says, uh, and then it makes sense because Halloween is actually for kids. Correct. It says kids extra large. There you go. I think I just bit my the inside of my gum like seven <laughs> times. Are you gonna wear this the whole time? I'm gonna try to. Wait. It actually is a pretty good look. Are you bleeding? Do we need to call a medic? Well, I'm on blood thinners. I know. That's why I'm asking you oh, if we need to call a medic. Trust the CEO me, is always looking if, out for if you. If I was bleeding, you would. I would look like. I'm trying to think. Of, you know, it would look like a true Halloween movie if I was bleeding with these 
I would know immediately because my entire mouth would be hemorrhaging. Um, so, Jimmy, you last night were at the Pacer game. I was. A um, little bit of trick and a little bit of treat, right? Because the reality is, and I really did think Indiana was going to win that game. They got, at one point, they built up to, I think, a six or an eight-point lead. But the wing defense of Chicago is really good. But more importantly, the guys that typically you are relying on to hit outside shots for you if you're Indiana, meaning, you know, obviously Tyrese Halliburton, but in addition to that, Buddy Heald, probably Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nimhard, shots just weren't falling. And that's going to happen from time to time. I thought Miles Turner was really active and good last night. But when you shoot that way from the wings, from your combined backcourt players, you're in trouble. As that game wore on, and they were still up by four or five, <laughs> trying six, seven, eight serious. points. But you look up at the Do I look score. that ridiculous when I had this thing on? Yes, you did. In fact, maybe worse so because of the size difference on that mask. <laughs> it looked like the Spider-Man eyes were slanted how did you get a little the, bit for did, you. How did you get the adult extra large? I uh, pay a little extra. <laughs> I guess. High roller over here. Um, I felt like as you looked up at the box score and you see, oh, they're shooting 25% from beyond the arc. Is this sustainable that they're going to be able to outlast and outshoot Chicago with how big the struggles are from downtown? They didn't take care of the basketball at times. I ran this by Eddie. Jake, I don't think it qualifies as a conspiracy theory, so we'll just call it an observation. Tyrese looked kind of exhausted at stretches during that game. I don't know if it was still the illness he was fighting on Saturday or if it was just he was a little fatigued, but... I feel like the amount of air balls, and we saw at least two of them from him last night from beyond the arc, you're going to see from Tyrese Halliburton, is likely going to be in the single digits this year. So yeah, they they looked a step slow at times, and defensively for me, it's too early to say the caution flags are out, but they let Washington at one point shoot 60% from the field on opening night, and they gave up a 32-point quarter to the Bulls in the fourth. And that is something that I know the Pacers wanted to clean up in the offseason. It's too early to say if that's going to plague them all of this year, but if that is the bugaboo for this season... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I'm how does it sound, you. by the way? Do I sound okay? You don't sound terrible, okay. but but it's I, I don't know how to take you seriously here. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, honestly, I feel like I'm looking over at the scene from Naked Gun where Leslie Nielsen's dressed like a seven-foot condom. That's what you look like, to be honest with you. Well, well I mean... With Spider-Man aesthetics, apparently? I guess, yeah, I mean... <laughs> if the defense is going to be an issue all year, they're going to have to outscore people, which they have the capability to do. They didn't do it last night, clearly. Too many lulls. They, um, I thought the defense was good last night, though. I mean, a 32-point fourth isn't good for me. I, 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 I mean, would, that's just me. But No, I would agree with Jimmy here. Defensively, I thought, especially in the third quarter, where Chicago started to separate themselves, was they had... They found a weakness, essentially, in Indiana's wing defense. And they would come down in in literally one pass on either wing. And then that player, whether it be Zach Levine, whether it be – I mean, there were a number of different players that were able to do it – would one step make a move on the wing and then get themselves into position to either kick back out for a three or more often than not drive in for a layup off of the wing. I thought thought they did a a poor job – in the second half of sealing off the interior from the wing areas. But, um, and I don't know if that's, you can't say it's fatigue. I mean, Chicago's played the, you know, more games so right. far, but, um, but still, good environment. You know, Chicago's a good team. 
you'd like to those are the kind that you'd like to get back but so you go 81 and 1 and not 82 and 0 yeah right i poured one out eddie for you last night on your 82 and 0 i know you were bummed about <laughs> that but look you're gonna get another test on friday the in-season tournament for the nba cup begins and everybody's really excited about that new court designs as well and cleveland i would assume will be closer to full strength than they were when you beat them on the road on saturday night so Another game against a Central Division opponent, another game against a team you're chasing, and we'll see what happens. I'm intrigued to see how the crowd is on Friday night, as well as what the exit polls, so to speak, will be for fans on the court. Because I'm torn. I have mixed emotions for it. One time I look at it, it's like, ugh, I don't know. Then I think back to the old, old school Pacers with kind of the, the sky blue color pattern in the logo, and I'm on board. Have you seen it? Did you see the design release yesterday? I did. Not, not a fan. bad. You don't like it, Eddie? No. I do not. Once I saw the jersey set that you showed me, Eddie, I got closer on board because it does make sense. It matches that color scheme they're going for. It's different. You look at the entire list of courts because the NBA pumped out all of them. I think they all look unique and you can make an argument for, oh, that's ugly or that's weird, but Ugly wasn't the word I used for the Pacers. I would say closer to unique. Uh, NFL trade deadline is upon us. That's going to happen later today when finally the, the bell goes off. When that happens, you believe, Jimmy Cook, the Colts will find themselves reviewing the day as active, inactive, uh, aggressive, not aggressive. Which way is it going to play out? I would say inactive. And if it is at all a move of any kind, it would be a small one, maybe to bring in another corner, but not for a ton of like assets to give up. I don't think they're going to sell off, even though an argument could be made, and I'll elaborate on this a little bit later in the show when we get closer to the deadline, Jake, but if they don't deal somebody <laughs> like Michael Pittman Jr. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. I got I to gotta, I gotta let people know what's going on here. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm trying to take serious, you know, I'm, I'm, what I am is, you know, a mature radio host. Indeed. And and I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to these very salient points and, and you know, very articulate um opining on the Pacers and, and the, the Colts and other such things. And, and then I look over and, and and all I can see is your your head in bubble wrap. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks... Hold on. I looked at the YouTube chat. I've seen it. It looks slightly ridiculous. By the way, I think I saw Eddie with a Spider-Man you mask. You look almost more like Aquaman. And Aquaman, by the way, very underrated. I, you, are you? You're a comic book guy, it appears, right? I, more the movies than the comic books themselves, but yes. I, is Aquaman underrated? I think he's underrated. Probably. Like everybody, everybody disses on Aquaman. He's an easy prey. Well, not really. He swims away. But no, I mean, pray like, for who to to pick on verbally, not to attack. Why? Does Aquaman have like? Is he good when he goes on land, or does he? What happens? Is he just a normal I mean, dude? It, it's tougher to call sea creatures when you're on land, Jake. Yeah, but I mean, is it like like if you got in a, if you walked into a bar and Aquaman's in there and you're talking trash, is Aquaman? And I don't know if you know this or not, but that guy drinks like a fish. If if that's, you walk in that's there, that's the kind of thing. Then he shakes his head and leaves because you make a joke like well, that. So my that's question is like, if you started a fight with him, are you in trouble? I mean, I'm Spider Man, so no, I'm good. Normal civilian, I, I Jimmy mean, Cook, probably not. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Bill from the Tool and Die shop goes in for a beer and Aquaman's in there. He's had too many. Wrong move, Bill. But but can he, is he good on land? I mean, is he, he tough? A, he has a trident. Won't get stabbed by that thing? He does? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, 
Fair enough. By the way, I think I saw Eddie with a Spider-Man mask too, so maybe his would fit you better. Are you serious? Eddie with it, you have you have a Oh, look at this. Are you kidding me? Is this is this a size nine for your huge cranium? Yes. Try try putting this one on. Okay. I don't know if this will surprise anybody that I need the Jumbo Titan version. Okay, hold on. Let's see. This, oh, this one appears much more flexible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're in business now. Hang on. Yeah, this is much better. This is great radio, I realize. It is. Jake is putting back so on the mask. So are all three of us wearing Spider-Man masks? It appears so. Like, we're the lamest guys ever, right? Yeah. We are clearly the Three Stooges. Indeed. Okay, hold on. So, I'm taking this off so that I... <laughs> so, the, the news today so far in the NFL, in terms of to get people up to date and up to speed on what's taken place um, with trades that have taken place today, at this point, and I'm not saying this won't change eventually, but at this point, it appears as though, Jimmy, it's been nothing of seismic nature, right? A couple of auxiliary moves... And rounding out, that doesn't look bad on you. Eddie, you look more like a professional wrestler. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and yours sounds normal. Mine sounded muffled. It did. Right? I think it's because mine was so so tight. But now, now there Well, are the different... one you handed me, it's got a zipper on the back. All you had to do was unzip it a little bit to give yourself some neck room. Oh, I did. Well, I, my, I don't know. I've been doing a lot of working out, so I'm kind of sure. Oh, yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's right. I've got a huge. It's a blessing out. and a curse. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Uh, so getting caught up on things that have happened, Jimmy, anything that jumps out at you so far in terms of moves within the NFL? Uh, there I have mean, been very few, right? Yeah. I mean, the Bears traded for Montez Sweat. That was a popular name. One of the top defensive ends in the league that might be moved somewhere. I will say this. Maybe long term that does something for Chicago. You know, you know but, what would be weird about Montez Sweat if he was right guard? It would be, considering I think he did an Old Spice run for a little bit there. So I should think, you have a right? ton, of, ton of different uh, conflict of interest. That doesn't do anything for Chicago this season. Maybe long term it does, but there's no ramifications from that move currently right now in my mind. Um, you know, And then there are, there are all kinds of rumors out there, but nothing at this point that really has happened. Question is for the Colts, and I think we keep an eye on this, and truthfully, I think maybe that narrative – did change a little bit by Indianapolis losing to New Orleans in the fact that you wonder does that make does that shift the Colts from you know buyer to seller like if if the Colts right now were and I mean look if if ifs and buts were candy and nuts we'd all have a Merry Christmas right but for the sake of the conversation if Anthony Richardson had not gotten hurt and let's say they had not gotten those calls against Cleveland and had beaten New Orleans, then are we having a different conversation and are the Colts more aggressive at that point in terms of going out and getting players via the trade deadline? And in my opinion, the answer to that is I don't know, but perhaps, and again, trying to be an optimist silver lining in the, in the equation here, is it possible, as I believe it is, that there was a silver lining in the Colts losing that game to Cleveland and maybe even losing that game to New Orleans because that shifted the narrative for the Colts and forced them to to sit back and just allow things organically to grow and not get over-aggressive. Because if you look by precedent in this market of watching the Colts and growing the team around a young quarterback, Andrew Luck had success in his initial run as a quarterback 
And then the Colts all of a sudden changed their narrative from, hey, we drafted Dwayne Allen, we drafted Kobe Fleener, we drafted T.Y. Hilton, we have young pieces around him. They had success, and then they're like, that's it. We're pushing all in, and we're going out and we're getting in free agency Eric Walden and Ricky Jean Francois and Andre Johnson and Frank Gore, and we're making trades, and we're getting Trent Richardson, even though you know Vic Ballard, got, Ballard has gotten hurt. But I think that they accelerated, and I, I think it started with the owner. But I think they accelerated and pushed in too early, Jimmy, and got a little bit high on the on the horse, if you will, and then it backfired on them, and they kind of were left without anything around them that they had organically grown when those pieces had to be shipped on elsewhere. And they were really stuck between a rock and a hard place. So for the Colts now, the advantage, I think, even though it's disappointing in the short term, Losing those games and getting slapped back to reality a little bit might be long-term best-case scenario for the Colts because it forces them to go back to doing it the old-fashioned way and building through the draft and maybe getting a young free agent or a – there's really no young free agent, but you know what I mean, like a, a second contract guy that, that needs an, a fresh start that you can plug in and patch work a little bit. But when it comes down to it, it is via the draft that you need to build the pieces that Anthony Richardson can grow with. That's been your cautionary tale since before the season started. Correct. Highlighting what they did with Andrew Luck versus what they might be compelled to do with Anthony Richardson. So yeah, if you're looking for a silver lining of, you hate to see him get injured, but him not being out there and them standing at three and five on the season, there's no reason for this team to be buyers right now. The only reason I would approve them being buyers is if you were to go out on a deal that was very friendly to the Colts that saw them acquire another young wideout or another young cornerback that is still in maybe in the middle of a rookie deal or maybe on a team-friendly second deal because right now the entire offseason is going to be devoted to what do we like about our receivers, what do we like about our corners, and who's good enough to play in this system. And there's an open audition at a lot of spots at wideout next year at least in terms of depth. Let's say it's Michael Pittman Jr., Josh Downs, and Alec Pierce. Is Isaiah McKenzie really still part of that receiving core? Would you not like to get another upgrade somewhere? Like, there's going to yeah, be questions Isaiah McKenzie feels like he's that position that is your, your Troy Walters, like, you know, kind of interchangeable. You can always – I hate to say this because Isaiah McKenzie's fine, but you can always kind of find that, like, punt return, kick return – fourth receiver sure. guy I, you know they they seemingly <laughs> I, you, you look like an ant <laughs> not an uncle ant but like an ant ant like the like not a spider but an ant sure i mean i could have gone ant man that's another character but i didn't do that today i went with a spider no, no, so you are a comic book guy the movies oh yeah i'm a big marvel guy i don't i never like didn't read a ton of comics as a kid but i love the so how did you get themselves. introduced to the i mean the movies the, I, well i understand spider-man but like, was just, the first did you just decide one time to do it? And you're like, man, I really like that. And so then you went to all like, why well, yeah, it- I went, I went to Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, the right, first right. like superhero movie mm-hmm. of the two thousands. Now when he's, I was a, a kid. he's a fellow that just gets bit by a spider, right? Correct. And then he's got these powers. Correct. Yes. And is he a bad guy or a good guy? Good guy. And, and who's he beating? Who, who's he killing? Green Goblin is his, like one of his main villains. Okay. Uh, and then how does he kill these people? Just with webs? A lot of fist fighting. His bare hands. Huh? His bare hands. Yeah, that's right. Webs, fist fighting, whole nine, yeah. Now, does he have eight hands? No. Doesn't he have more than just... How many many legs? He's Spider-Man. He's not a spider. (laughs) 
He just well, has spider like powers. But can he? He can like do the the. How, web, how right? much do you want to nerd out here, Jake? Do you want to spend the whole same? Well, I mean, you're dressed as the guy, I mean, so like so, you know, clearly a little bit. Spider Man's tech has advanced to a point where he does have six like mechanical arms that pop out of his back if he's really in combat. So yeah, you get your eight See, leg Eddie, leash there. There you go. You, you laugh at me, but you, he so he has how many arms? But it's I a, didn't laugh. But, but it, it's a it's a post it's a post spider bite thing. Standardly, he just has the two arms he's fighting with. But I'm saying, so, yes, so what, if we're so going whatever down he got bit hole, by morphed into different strands, and he hadn't gotten the booster. Is that right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> That's the fourth floor. <laughs> uh, we'll continue to talk about the NFL trade deadline. Tony East going to join us just about an hour from now. We'll talk about what the Pacers did yesterday. Stephen Holder at two o'clock. Bob Kravitz at two thirty. Loaded show on a Tuesday, and we thank you for being in the company. It's Quarry and Company, ninety-three-five-one-zero-seven-five. The fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Okay, so this I can get into. Eddie going back to the retro, right? This is cool. Hey, it predates me, Jimmy. Or, not Jimmy, Jake. Going yeah, back to our conversation yesterday. You know what I decided yesterday? Neither of you guys, and I'm not going to get angry about it today. I'm, I'm serenity now. I'm just it's Halloween. Correct. I'm just, I'm just calmed and composed here, right? Neither of you. Is that because you're ready for your trip to Europe? I am ready. I just checked in to my hotel. Nice. How about that? My, I just your, didn't know if maybe how'd you're you were check into your hotel. Your, your eyes are. Oh man. Do you have a doppelganger that you sent over there early to check into the hotel? Uh, well, here's the thing, Eddie. Thank you for asking. Did you clone yourself? Believe it or not, and. and this is relatively new. It's only been, in the, matter of fact, I'm not sure that I've had this happen in hotels here, but um, I downloaded the app for the hotel that I'm staying in, and so you can check in and get your digital key. So I already have my digital key in my Apple wallet. Aren't you just cool? That's right. Um, since you, you guys know what have you said, need now? A chai tea. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet they have plenty of chai tea in Amsterdam, amongst other things. Um, they just call it tea. Well, trust me, they have a lot of green tea. So, I've decided that the two of you are going to come over and we're going to watch. I'm going to be with you when you watch Shawshank. It was your assignment, but now I've decided instead we're going to have our own little PBR party. Yes. And I'm going to make you guys watch Shawshank. Now, neither of you know like the overall plot of Shawshank, right? I watched the trailer either this morning or yeah, this morning. Okay. I seemed intrigued. I read the... Uh, <laughs> I seemed intrigued. I read the three-sentence description. Oh, the three-sentence description. Like, I don't want you to think I read the plot. I just read the synopsis, I guess. So it's like when I was in college, the note network, where you could go and buy the notes. Like, they they, they found, like, the smartest kid in each class and paid him, like, 20 bucks a week sure. to photocopy his notes, and then you could go buy, buy the notes. Sure. For our generation, that'd be like Quizlet. Spark Notes, whatever. Or Spark yeah. Notes, yeah. Cl- did the Cliff Notes, are you guys familiar with Cliff Notes? Familiar, yeah. Yes. How about photo math? No. Uh, photo math is where you take a picture of the problem and then it tells you the answer. I gathered the context clues on that, believe it or not. Now, did you use that to help aid in your assistance and I did not completing because, algebra? Um, you know, I did not because, you know, I'm old now. Um, I really did want to learn it because I'd been through it seven times before and never passed it. So I, I had a tutor that I worked with for like 
three hours. Uh, I mean, it was long, 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 and I and it still sucks, and I haven't used it since. But I was able to pass it and graduate. Um, if you were Jimmy, let let's say that you're the general manager of an NFL team, okay, and someone says to you, "Look, we we need you to make a trade with Indianapolis. We're gonna we're gonna." give you money if you make a trade with indianapolis and you know that you have to get the trade done so you have to then assume what chris ballard is going to most be willing to hear about in terms of a the position that you would be willing to send to chris ballard in indianapolis what position do you believe would give you the greatest chance of chris ballard saying yes i will take that deal i'm gonna go a step further and go specific player okay I think if I am a NFL GM and let's say I'm on a contender, I think if you made the right offer, the Colts would be willing to part ways with Grover Stewart. It's a contract year for him. You already know he's got, what, four games left to miss? You have other priorities to worry about next offseason. I think that's probably the safest move in terms of trying to acquire somebody from this team. I would disagree. Okay. I say Julian Blackman. Because you've got Nick Cross sitting back there, and that's like when you're in the position that the Colts are in, you have to look at the roster and like there's nobody who's a young player that they have a lot of invested into behind Grover Stewart. Plus, you're not going to get the return in which you were wanting for Grover Stewart because of the suspension, like you just noted. But there's Julian Blackman. He's a pending free agent after this season. And then you have Nick Cross sitting right behind him who you traded up. You traded up in the third round to get him and wasted a third-round pick to also make sure you got him. So if you're looking at a player to possibly be moved, I'd look at Blackman or Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore is is one. Again, I, I think it just comes down to... The reason I didn't say to... Kenny is if you get rid of him, you're punting fully on that secondary this totally, year. And totally maybe you're that. already there. I don't know. I mean, you could make the argument after the last two weeks you are, but if you can, do... Can you straighten your eyes? It's It's driving bonkers. I think you've got to realize. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. All right. I made my point about Kenny Moore. You continue. I'll figure out the mask. You look like a cross-eyed Spider-Man. Well, that's not good. You, you, you look like Spider-Man if he was messy Marvin. <laughs> that's also not good. Uh, this, by the way, from Nate. Jake, how can you give them a hard time for not watching Shawshank when you don't even know who Spider-Man is? <laughs> I brought in a Spider-Man mask. I don't know all of his total skills, and I know who Aquaman is, so you would think I know who Spider-Man is. Um it, whatever player that the Colts may be looking to flip into assets, there are two things that come into play. The first would be you have to assess how much you're going to get back. And then you have to figure out whether or not that player could become a version that exceeds what you are sending out. So example, Kenny Moore. If you were going to send Kenny Moore on about his way your anticipation would be that you get what what round pick would you want to get for Kenny Moore a fourth I think that's probably on the high end right I would say you're likely getting well this is easy now because Eddie said fourth I would have said somewhere between four and six okay and Kenny Moore has how long left on his deal or in your opinion has how many years of good football left Let's say two to three yeah so if you were to trade Kenny Moore then what you're hoping for is that you are getting somebody that in two to three years is the equivalent of what Kenny Moore is right now. 
so that you are just extending the level of production of Kenny Moore. Because Kenny Moore right now, if you consider Kenny Moore to be a six and a half or a seven on a one to 10 scale, then you know that realistically three years from now, he's probably a five and a half because he's, you know, I mean, that just father times undefeated. Right. So what you do is you say, okay, if we trade Kenny Moore for a fourth rounder, then whatever position it might be, if we get a guy that in three years is a six and a half or seven, then we have, what we have done is extended and taken care of that position or that level of contribution so that we don't have to worry about it when Richardson is entering into his prime. And we have a young guy, and you're also saving yourself some money because you're taking guaranteed you know, veteran money and you're replacing it with first-year contract. But the important thing is that you are getting a return on investment that is the equivalent in time of what you're sending out. And that's the important, you know, then you're you're taking a known commodity and trading it for a future investment that you hope pans out, right? I mean, there are multiple areas where the Colts can upgrade themselves. And I, Grover Stewart, I don't disagree with you on Grover Stewart, Jimmy. I think Grover Stewart's been a, a fine player really good player but does he have some value he might right and and i don't know how much the ped thing hurts him or helps him in terms of his trade value i have no idea but it certainly i'm sure has to be taken into some consideration um the issue i have with the deadline and why i would probably make a bad gm and eddie if i'm missing somebody let me know kenny moore grover stewart michael Pittman jr is julian blackman as well on a contract year is that the core pieces? Am I missing anybody? That's about the gist, yeah. Okay, so of those four, if you're not dealing them today, I want them re-signed. I don't want them walking away for nothing. Right, right. And I get it, that's the perfect world of GMs, how they operate, but it doesn't always work out that way. The Let's go to another interesting factor in all of this. Is Jonathan Taylor on the trade block now first give me your answer no i would agree with you but not for the reasons probably that you think okay the thought process is jonathan taylor would not be on the trade block because he's too valuable to the colts and they just invested too much money in him right yes maybe not that all that valuable i think he's not how they're using him. That's right. I, I think he's not on the trade block for this reason. And it's very clear that he's not. Now, I could be proven wrong. Maybe in 20 minutes, uh, a, a, a tweet drops out of thin air saying Jonathan Taylor's been traded. But I don't think he's on the trade block. And, and I think there's proof to that. And I'll tell you why. Because the Colts gave him $14 million after they had allowed him, to which they had to have been keeping a very close eye, on finding out what his market value was. And they said to him... We will trade you if we can get a first-round pick out of you. And no one made a phone call. So now not only does are you talking about a player that nobody else offered a first-rounder to, but now they're also those teams aware that if they were to – the difference between Jonathan Taylor now and Jonathan Taylor of six weeks ago – Six weeks ago, there was question about his ankle. I don't know how serious those questions would have been. That's been answered, obviously. But now he comes with a $14 million price tag. And forty-two million and twenty-six guaranteed that a team's going to have to inherit. I know that some of that gets moved around, but you get sure, what I'm saying, yeah. right? So, I think 
if nothing else, the $14 million a year contract shows to me that the Colts knew he was almost untradeable for what you would have to get back for him. Right. They're not going to get with what he is able to do and what he's able to bring to the table. You would need at minimum a first rounder back for him, and they're not going to get one. They already know that because they look they tried it. Correct. And they they said, you know what? Fine. Like he he we're not going to be able to trade him, so let's go ahead and sign him. And and, da-da. and they the Colts caved, quite frankly, and he won that battle. He got what he wanted. Good for him. Who do you think carries the most trade value on this roster? I mean, of all players, minus Anthony Richardson, obviously. That's a an excellent I have question. Mine. Okay. See, I would say, I mean, the guy that you would look at from a production standpoint that you would say would have trade value would be Zaire Franklin. But I think that a lot of people see Zaire Franklin as a system guy. I'm not saying that's what he is, but I think there there might be that perception. Um, maybe Pittman, but that's only if you know you can extend him. And only if you probably have a dynamic breakout number one already, and and he is a possession guy over the middle that you think you can get something out of. Um, and quite frankly, I, you're going to laugh when I say it. Maybe Josh Downs because of his age and his production at this point. But I could be. I'm assuming I have not said your. No, no, no you have it. It's Michael Pittman Jr. If I'm a contender, right, that already has you mentioned a clear number one in place, and you realize that. You're going to have right of first refusal with him in terms of contract negotiations before he hits the open market or even when he does hit the open market. That's a player I'd go after if I'm an opposing team. He's a great possession guy, and I think he's a talented number two wide receiver. But from a Colts perspective, that's a piece that is guaranteed to get you at least a first rounder. He is a first round talent at that position. I don't know that Pittman gets you a first rounder back, though. Right, if you're if you're playing with a contender, it's going to be a low end first, but that I think he would. You look at where wide receivers are at right now and the ability to lock in a piece like, like him long term. If I, T I Higgins were to get hurt again, I could see Cincinnati being like, you know what, we're going to go out and get another piece to go with sure. Jamar Chase, sure. right, or something like that. But but yeah, I, I don't. I think that Pittman's contractual status is the one kind of curveball in all of that, though, and the fact that I think teams would be a little bit hesitant towards you know signing a guy on a rental standpoint right see the reason i think it might be the opposite as long as you do get the guarantee from him that he's going to sign if our conversation is which for me it it is this no doubt if he hits the open market next year he's going to be signed like that and he'll get paid christian kirk money or above if that is the consensus why if you're a team would you not go get him a season early especially if you're a contender yeah. Buffalo and Kansas City are tight on cap space, but like if I was one of them and I knew I was going to also move money around to extend him, I would go get him. Miami, I don't know that they necessarily need him with how good their offense is already, but that's something I would look at if I was a team wanting to kind of kick the tires. And I think for the Colts, it's a first rounder or bust for him. I mean, obviously that's going to come down to how close they feel they are towards being able to sign him, right? Yes. I mean, it comes to it's that simple. I, again, I don't think they're in a situation. I think they're in a good spot here. Actually, I don't think that they're necessarily in a situation where they have to make a deal. I don't know that they're in a situation where they like. I mean, they can kind of sit, but but then again, I don't know how many pieces they have that are really coveted, right? I mean, 
DeForest Buckner would be heavily coveted, but I don't think they'd move him. I would agree that DeForest Buckner actually may be their most tradable piece. I mean, he's... But what did they give up to get him? Yeah. They give up a, didn't they give up a first-rounder to get him? Yes. But I, So I don't know that you you get that back now, I mean, later, because of his age, right? It depends who's trading for him. Do you know one of my favorite games that I like to play this time of year? Well, it's clearly not dress-up, so... Guess the college? Guess the college is always one of my favorites, yes. How about this one? This is always one of my favorite games. Do We, we don't have prizes to give away, though, do we? Unfortunately, no. We do next week. Oh, what do we have next week? We're giving away Creed tickets next week. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, obviously, that those prizes are a little higher than what I have. Um, World Series participant or a guy I went to high school with? <laughs> if I did, if I did like Eddie, we could either do it with a phone call or I could do it with, with you guys. How, how many, if I came up with. I'm the wrong person to ha- to play this game with. Why? Because I follow baseball religiously, so I would definitely know. I'm probably the right person to play this game because I'm probably going to go one for nine if you gave I, I, me I don't, and nine of them. Jimmy, I'm not saying it to, to, to expose you. I, I think there are a lot of people. That probably would agree with you. I mean, with that would be on your side, right? Sure. I don't have a problem with it. I just I don't have a ton of real estate in the memory banks of baseball knowledge. All right, Eddie, you ready? Yeah. We can do it on the other side. We'll do more of it. Uh, Benji Nadler, guy I went to high school with the World Series participant. Oh, you're talking about in history? Um, no, this year. This year, Benji Nadler. Oh, that's definitely someone you went to high school with. You sure? Yep. Jonah Heim. That is someone who plays for the Texas Rangers. Position? Catcher. Okay. Man, I thought you meant all time. I mean, I still would like struggle massively with this, but... Ryan Thompson. Pitcher. <laughs> yeah, I think it's someone's plan. You think it's a World Series participant? Yep. Pitcher for the Diamondbacks. You positive? Reliever. Kai Steffi. Someone you went to high school with. I'll say high school. You sure? 100%. Okay. Eddie's like the open book test here for me. It's pretty nice. How many Rangers can you name? Probably name a good good amount of them. If we went out right now in Monument Circle and stopped 10 people, how many could name more than three Texas Rangers? Probably not many. If I had to guess, they'd maybe mention Max Scherzer. I could see Corey Seager. Yeah, Seager, I I think, right? I, I can get you three. Jordan okay. Montgomery, Nathan Evaldi, your oldest Chapman. Okay, three former Yankees. That's the only reason why you know those. W right here. Araldus Chapman still in the league? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have they checked this hotel room lately? It's the Cuban missile to you. Josh Jung. Third baseman for the Texas Rangers. Okay. Christian Walker. For starting first baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Look at Eddie. Do you play fantasy baseball? Nope. Eddie loves baseball. I think it's his. My favorite to not speak out of turn. Say it's your favorite. Uh, yes. Okay. Lance Parrish. That is someone you went to high school with. Alan Trammell. That's a former player for the, he played with the Tigers. With Lance Parrish, by the way. Okay. Lance Parrish. I didn't. In the eighties, was the always the starting catcher. Like you play RBI baseball, he's always starting catcher with the All Star team. So mm. you did, so you didn't go to high school with Lance. Parrish. I did not go to high school with Lance Parrish. Gary Carter always the starting catcher yeah. for the National League All Star team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony East guest at one thirty. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, Eddie Garrison, here we go. World Series participant guy I went to high school with. All right. You ready? You're having a lot of fun with this, aren't you? Grady Flatter. I'm going to say someone you went to high school with. Jimmy? World Series participant. Four? Oh, you didn't go full scale to try to fool, fool Eddie? This you is this year. Four? This is this year. Dimebacks. He lives in Phoenix, but he went to North Central. Ah, Josh Smith. <laughs> Josh Smith. I will say... Guy you went to high school with. Well, see, he asked me this one during the break. I'm going to change as my answer because I feel like you're trying to trick me. I feel like that's somebody who played in the your, World Series. Go with your gut instinct. I feel like it's someone who played for the World Series. I just couldn't tell you what team. Okay. I said high school. World Series participant. This Steve, year? Steve Tucker, yes. Steve Tucker. High school. Steve Tucker, yeah, high school. Jordan Lawler, that is correct. Jordan Lawler. That's a former player, I think. Yeah, I'll say World Series participant, I think. Former oh. player? What? A World Series participant would be a current player. He's still going this oh, year. Oh, you're, Th- you're these doing are just this year. This year sorry, just this sorry. year. I thought you were doing... Um, Jordan Lawler, this year, World Series participant or guy I went to high school with? Guy you went to high school with. High school. Incorrect. He's in the World Series. Oh, really? Uh, Luis Frijas. He's in the World Series? Yes. Got to be a coach. For who? Jordan Lawler? Yeah. I don't know. Let me go back and look. Look at Eddie, like, getting defiant. He's getting I- angry. I'm trying to think of, like, who... His, his Spider-Man mask is starting to pop off his angered head. His spidey mm. senses are tingling. I can't even happening. tell if it's a mask or his face that's so red. <laughs> Hold on, now I've got to go back to the page of roster. But he's on the roster, trust me. Because I wrote all these down, right? Okay. Uh, you didn't say uh, Luis Frijas. Oh, Frijas? Yeah. High school. High school. Uh, incorrect. Wow. Diamondback pitcher. Come on, Eddie, oh, step your game up. yeah. Step the game up, right? Yeah. Are you ready for one more? We'll do one last one? Sure. You're Andrew- just electric that stumped the Schwab's back. That's all that's happened here. Andrew Schragi. Stumped the underscore. Eddie? (laughs) (laughs) I told you during the break you'd get Harry with the bullpens. Um, World Series participant. Okay. No. I'll say no. No what? That's not a World Series participant. Which means? You went to high school with him. That is correct. He was a pitcher at North Central. Steve Tucker, also pitcher uh, for North Central. Jordan Lawler, Josh Smith, Luis Frias, all in the World Series. Chris Phillips writes in, at Jake Query, would you rather be doing the show with at the Jay Cook as Spider-Man or at Cabo in 1070 as Bacon? Uh, Jordan Lawler is not in the World Series. You sure? 100%. How positive are you? He's on their active roster. How's that? Yeah, but they have a different postseason roster. He's on the active roster. He's listed by the Texas Rangers on their website as the active roster. Currently, the World Series is active. He's on the active roster. He might not be in the games yet, but he is on the okay. roster. Okay. He's on the bus right now on his way wherever, right? Maybe. I don't know. He's but only he, played in two but games. But I can tell you this. He did not go to North Central High School in the class of 1991. <laughs> that that much I can assure you. Uh, I would rather do it with you as Spider-Man, uh, although... So Kevin did dress up this morning, right? Bacon. He's always bacon, right? Isn't yes. He? That's his... Yeah. Feels like his signature. I can't tell if you're even looking at me. Didn't he dress up as a turkey once? He has a turkey hat that he wears every year. All right, there it is. What did Andy dress as? I don't Andy believe he did. Andy did not dress up. Excuse me? 
Andy did not dress up. Okay. It's Halloween, right? I, I, although I guess I didn't either, but I did bring in the Spider-Man mask. You did. Um. Anyway, uh, so last night, did you enjoy the game, Jimmy? Did you have fun at your experience? I did. It was a great time. Like I said, this Pacers team is fun. They're young. They're exciting. I feel like Miles Turner, I know we said this last was, year, but fits really well within what Rick Carlo wants out of this I team. I thought Turner was really active last night, and at one point, it felt to me like he had far more, like at one point, I was like, it felt like he had 15 rebounds. Yes. Yep. And he didn't, but I mean, he, he was he was very active. I think one of the, if there's a... My biggest negative takeaway, and this is jumping away from Miles, I apologize, we're jumping all around with the Pacers, but that's only the second game I've seen in its entirety. I saw a little bit of the action against the Cavaliers on Saturday, but the Bulls, especially down the stretch, made it a point to either face guard or take Tyrese out of action as much as possible. Like You could tell he was getting a little visibly frustrated, whether it was Carter or at times Caruso. They made it a mission that, okay, we're going to force Bruce Brown or somebody else to run this offense until it gets late in the shot clock and then just lock down on D. Here's the thing. I also think he was still under the weather. Uh, Halbert. The one thing from the standpoint of Turner, and I, I don't disagree with you about Halliburton, by the way. Um, the one drawback is the wrong word because Miles Turner has been the low hanging fruit and like the sports fan pinata in Indy for five years now, right? And I think he's a very good player. I think he fits in well with what they do. I think he complements very well what they have. I think his rim protection and ability to then facilitate transition for them is really important. If there's one knock I would have for him, it's that he is an effective three-point shooter. I wouldn't go so far as to say that he is a consistently effective three-point shooter, but he obviously has the ability to hit open looks from three. However, the I think sometimes the, the faster pace they play – Miles Turner sometimes with his three kind of needs a second to just settle down more than any other player. Like there are some guys that can come, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald can come off the screen or in transition and pull up for a three. And that dude needs like a half a second to be able to to turn and fire. Miles Turner. Sometimes he likes a dribble. And he needs to, and, and I do think that he has to shoot threes in a more composed or slow down environment, yeah. and when the when the pace is frantic, I think he gets a little overexcited and rushes his shot, which thus decreases his shooting percentage with it. So in that pacing, yeah. he he sometimes he gets a little bit, you he, know, he gets he's like when you see like animals in the zoo that like they're young and they're learning to walk and they start they get too excited, yeah, and they trip up. I mean that that kind of happens. But I thought last night he was he was very good. I mean. He had not. I'm not talking about from his outside shooting. I mean, I think what I'm talking about was on display for him. But in terms of what he was able to bring and the things he's able to do on the court, I thought he was really good. I would agree, and I'm fascinated to see as the season wears on if it is a true guarantee that Jalen Smith is the bench player that's first to relieve Miles. That's he's what played, they've gone with primarily the last couple of games. To open the season. I'll tell you what, he's played and well he's played so really far. Well. Yes. I mean, Jalen yeah. Smith. To be clear, I don't have a problem with that. I'm just. An observation for what they've done so far. I thought Rick Carlisle this morning on the wake-up call made a good point in talking about Jalen Smith. Obviously, Rick Carlisle would. He'd know the team better than anybody. Mm-hmm. But when he said, uh, I, I don't know that I had realized this, that 
Jalen Smith playing in the center position is kind of more naturally than when they had him at the four. And and part of that might be just like the, the necessary – maybe Jalen Smith doesn't have the lateral quickness that is necessary at the four position, and he's able to kind of to be planted a little bit more at the five. And maybe that's a factor. Um, but he's played well. And right now I think it's interesting the guys that are at the, at the end of the bench that seemingly are kind of out of rotation for now. And there's a reason it's called rotation. But Ben Shepard, Jarris Walker, so you get the two rookies. Isaiah Jackson, though. Isaiah Jackson's kind of fallen at, at this point out of rotation. Um, and I think part of that is because they're waiting to see what Obi Toppin can do. Mm-hmm. Last night he had an unbelievable, at, right in front of you, athletic put-back dunk mm-hmm. backwards. I, I Very seldomly have I seen a guy go off of a rebound miss and then dunk behind his back with it by coming from the other side. It was unbelievably impressive. But at this point... Toppin feels kind of like Isaiah Jackson in the fact that if he's not playing above the rim, you're not sure where he's playing yeah. and, and what he brings to the table. Um, but anyway, last night a little bit of disappointment. 81-1 and one now is what the Pacers are going to go on the season, which still, I think, gets him in the playoff. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. By the way, this song is the classic example of, like, nepotism. This dude, Rockwell, his dad was a record executive, and it's like, hey, we want to make our kid a star. So he's got this song where he basically just sings his way through about being stalked. How can we make this work? How can we make this stick? How can we make this a top 10 hit? How can we make it so that in 2023, people are playing it on the radio? And then they thought, wait a minute, right here. Here's the hook. Anybody know Michael Jackson? Call him and have him sing the hook. So you like this song? It's a great song. Okay. But not because of Rockwell. Oh. All that dude does is talk about how he's afraid to go in the shower. You know what I mean? When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. Because I might look now, over and find someone standing there. Nicely done. Thank and you. you have no hair. You're Spider-Man. Okay, <laughs> somebody took a picture, and they didn't include me as participating in the Halloween festivities, so stand by. All right. And and, and I got a haircut yesterday at 459. By the way, does it look fabulous, Eddie? looks stupendous. Thank you. 459 Very spiffy. Barber Lounge, you can actually get a haircut and look this Nice. I, I can't guarantee that this total sexy package goes over, <laughs> okay. but in terms okay. of the hair itself. Well, yeah, I don't think they offer spray tans, do they? No, I did get that too, because <laughs> there's nothing that looks more Dutch than having a spray tan. Okay, hang on. I, I like how they lined you up over there on the sides too. Very straight. Nice. They know what they're doing there at 459. When you have gray hair, if you keep it short, it's hard to tell it's gray. Okay. But you have gray hair. Exactly. Okay, here we go. How are the eyes lined up? Um, that's good. There's a zipper in the back, but this is again, this is a, this is a youth extra large, and I think if I zip it up, I'm going to zip my neck. <laughs> it's a bit of a you know. Issue. I can we, think of nothing worse than you having to go through customs with a Spider-Man. Look, uh, guys, I can't take it off. It's it's stuck. Honestly, I don't know what you want me to do. Like I could see this getting stuck on my head. We I would actually move. have to call the paramedic if What's that it? situation arises. I can't arise. hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said we'd actually have to call the paramedic. How's it look, Eddie? You got to say that. Solid. I just see another Spider-Man. There we go. Just stand up. There, see. Switch that wide shot. Come on, Eddie. 
It's been on the wide shot. Jake's been standing up the last three minutes. Sorry, I can't see. So so we're now we went from individually being Spider Man to now we are the meme, right? Correct. Okay. Anyway. Uh when you were a kid, what was the best Halloween costume that you had? Man. I mean, do you remember it was a big deal? Like I, I don't know about you guys, but I remember as a kid, like, I mean, it would be, I, I remember being almost secretive. Like, when you figured out what you were going to be for Halloween, you didn't tell your buddies because, like, you wanted to make sure you were the only one. You know what I mean? It sure. was like, and then, like, you would kind of whisper, like, yeah, I think this is what I'm going to do this year. Look, I've made it pretty clear, and I have no shame in it, my nerd tendencies. So I understand the ridicule will arrive. I was Darth Maul once year. Excuse was, me? Darth Maul was a villain in Star Wars. Okay. And it was when they dueled, debuted the dual lightsaber. So okay. you had like blades on either end. And so I had the lightsaber and I was Darth, it was awesome. Now, which Star Wars movie is Darth? This would have been episode one, 1999, The Phantom Menace. Okay. So that's the- The, the prequels. Right. Correct. Is that the one with the kid from Park Tudor that, that yes. has my name? Yes. Okay, and then he had some challenges, right? Correct. Okay, so and that's but that's that one, right? Yes. Now, Eddie, what was your favorite costume as a kid? Um, I don't know. Was it hard to buy? Like in, in the early years, when you would get the the store bought, you probably never went to the store bought because they didn't have uh, like Casper the friendly ghost masks that were a size nine and a half head, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's right. That's right. Like, did you ever just go as a as a jack o' lantern? Just paint I didn't yourself really, orange. I didn't really care for Halloween much when I was a kid. I forgot this all started because Eddie misidentified what size hat he wears. Yeah, I forgot right. about that. Yes. It's a deep cut for those that were early company starters. Well, look yeah. at his head. What did you say you wore? A nine and a half? Uh yeah, sure. I mean, it's close, right? Oh, not even close, but yeah. <laughs> um, why were you not a fan of Halloween as a kid? I don't know. I just I didn't care for it. I didn't care for dressing up. You didn't like free candy? I didn't eat much candy. So, okay, hold on. So you can recite the starting lineup of the 2023 Texas Rangers, but you didn't trick or treat? I trick or treated. I just wasn't a big fan of it. Like you I didn't, didn't care like for candy? It. No. Okay. I love candy. Well, I mean, I, I like candy, right? but I just didn't like, oh, yeah, let me have some candy. No. No. Now, I think one year I went as Darth Vader. That's probably the most. Look at you with a Star Wars. Here's the other well thing done. to me about about, and this is the classic example of like revisionist history. Okay. And I know that someone is going to call in and point out, yeah, but that was before daylight saving time. I get that. And I know that this isn't accurate. I've asked my mom about it, but I swear to you. That it feels like when I was a kid. Somebody's watching you. That's exactly right. It feels like when I was a kid that we would go out and that we didn't start trick or treating, trick or treating until it was dark. I don't ever remember, and I'm sure it happened. We definitely didn't. Like, we, it was dark. Yes, I don't like because you like, had like now, a flashlight or something with you on correct. the walk. Yes, and like, I, and I drive around, and I, again, I realize now we have daylight saving time, so it gets dark. I'm trying to think. It, it gets dark still at this point a little bit later than it would have then. Yes, correct. But like, I'll drive through a neighborhood now, like tonight at like 5:30, and there are kids out trick or treating, and I'm like, I know this this probably isn't right, 
But it feels to me like we were out trick-or-treating from like 9 to 11 p.m. I mean, in reality, it was probably like 6 to 8, but it was already dark out. But I mean, I but it feels like we were out forever. Yeah, I, I mean, we would go to like multiple neighborhoods. And I know it's a different time. Sadly, for kids, it's just a different era in terms of, you know, how old were you before you were able to trick-or-treat by yourself without parent chaperone? 11, 12? Yeah, I was going to say probably the last two years, right? Yeah. Which would have been like fifth and sixth grade. We needed probably. obviously a massive group. Like we had 11 a bunch or of people 12 that went with right. us, but yes. That's yeah. probably right. Yeah. And you'd go with like five or six guys and like maybe somebody's little sister was with you. But And like the big thing was sprinting from one door to the next. Nobody's going to miss the Blue Power Ranger, man. We'll be fine. Like yeah. you always have one buddy and they're right. like, hey, we're good. We got you. And you, you would all, it was a big deal with my group to which one got to ring the doorbell. Sure. Right. Like yeah. I know it's gonna be me, whatever. And then, but you know, just just all of it. I, you know. Then there was always the rumor, like, dude, there's some high school kids driving around. They'll steal your bike. Yeah. I, you know, whatever. Like all the urban legends of Halloween. It was great. Sure. I loved every minute of it. Loved it. But I will admit also that I'm a little bit of like a Scrooge now in the fact that I don't. And this makes me this unpopular opinion, perhaps, but I don't really get the whole like adults going to a party and dressing up for Halloween. I, I just. I, I, to each their own, it's cool. But it's not like I'm like, well, I'm 50. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not 12. Yeah, but, I dressed up as Mario this weekend, so. Okay. <laughs> like I said. <laughs> it was a, it was a party. I get it. Uh, Nick, what's up, Nick? Yeah, how you doing, Query? Uh, back in the day, before they had all the novelty uh, replicas of all the characters, my grandfather made me a 5 by 5 cardboard Ninja Turtle shell that I wore that eventually yes. just turned into a big parasail when Augusta Wind hit me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but again, man, how mass- Like, how awesome was it? Oh, it was great. I was Raphael, and I was uh, taking down the Foot Clan and getting my Reese's Pieces. It was, the, okay. it was the bomb. Other question is this, Nick. Where did you grow up? Long Island, New York. Oh, dude, I was just on Long Island. Loved it. What part? Lindenhurst. So I was in Comac, and then... Uh, Amityville, I don't know if I was like as far east as where you were, but I thought Long Island was very, it's very underrated. It was beautiful, right? But Oh, yeah. So when you were a kid in Long Island, and New Yorkers are tougher anyway, but what, in your mind, when you look back on it, what time would you say you were trick-or-treating? What was the like, how long were you out, and what time did you start? Well, we started uh, man, probably around 4 o'clock, didn't get home till about 9.30, 10 o'clock. 4 o'clock? Man. Man, you got, yeah. well, of course, you know, you got you to consider traffic, right? I mean, it takes a little bit longer in Long Island. Yeah, I mean, you know, the trains, commute, yeah, all that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I appreciate it, man. Happy Halloween to you. You too. All right, let's go to Chris. Suddenly, everybody's wanting to talk Halloween. All right, hold on. Chris Hagen joins us now. Hagen, what's up? I got confused when you said Chris. I'm like, nobody calls me Chris. Well, we have Chris also waiting on hold. So Chris, wait on hold. Chris Hagen from Fox 59 joining us as well. What's happy up? Halloween, Chris. Yeah, yeah, Chris. Wait your turn. Yeah, happy Halloween. <laughs> I was going to throw in a couple little tidbits. Uh, one, Rockwell's dad was Barry Gordy, the founder of Motown. So okay. he had no trouble getting Michael Jackson in there. But if you can tell, they looped that. Like he, Michael showed up for like uh, 20 seconds and said, what do you need? Here you go. See right. you later. And Enjoy your uh, number one hit there. Uh, I was, I'm like you, Jacob. When, when I was a kid, it would be dark, and no parents would be with the group, and we would just walk for like two miles. I mean, doesn't it and, seem like it? And I know that that probably is revisionist history, but I mean, Chris, doesn't it feel like we were out till like eleven o'clock at night? Yeah, and it seemed like now it's like pre-coordinated. You talk to the neighborhood about what 
what uh, people are handing out. We would go to houses we'd never seen before. We would just oh. walk up there. It was unbelievable. Do you remember if somebody handed out dimes? You're like, those people are loaded. <laughs> yeah, it was. But the, the one rule is, my mom, you had to. She would dump out the bag, and she would give me the okay or the no go, because there was the urban legend that there was somebody putting razor blades. Oh, of course, in apples. Of course, you couldn't eat an apple. Or or so, the popcorn balls. You never knew if they were laced with something, yeah. right? Yeah, and I was like, Mom, I, I wasn't going to eat the apple anyway. Don't worry about that. I like the people but, that are like, you know, we take them to the fire station to do an X-ray scan on all the candy, <laughs> make sure there's no razor blades in them. Uh, has that caught one? Has that caught one person? Well, doing here's that? the thing: razor blades are bigger than the mini candy bars, right? How they yeah. got to fit in a Kit Kat? I never understood, in, that. right? Nobody's wasting a full size Hershey to squeeze a razor blade into it. It's like the bad guy from the movie Seven. He's plotting this thing where he's putting, and he's only he's doing it in, in like a thousand apples. This guy, <laughs> right, is throwing caution to the wind. But the last thing I'll tell you is about your Halloween costume. My mom would wait till like the day before Halloween, so I, I didn't. None of the A-list costumes were there, like Spider-Man. Or it was like there was no John Travolta. There was like a horse shack. There was no. <laughs> what, why is no Hagen going Solo. as Holly Hobby for the second year in a row? Yeah, yeah. There was R2D2. There was no Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. And it was like yeah, I was fringe. I was almost like a cool costume. I was from the the cool costume universe. But yeah, you'd go in there and you'd see it all picked over, and my mom would try to upsell it. Hey, you know what? A lot of people like C-3PO. You know, you know what, Chris? If you and I went trick-or-treating together, we could go as C-3PO and you'd be R2-D2. Thank you. I was waiting. For, I thought you were going to say Ewok. But yeah. Same, or that, right? Same, same deal. But yeah, it's, it's great hearing the, the Halloween memories when it comes around because it's... I mean, obviously the world's a different place, but it's it's very different the way Halloween is now than it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Totally. Totally. Well, let's just hope that um, the Colts make it so that it's not a busy evening for you, Chris. You know what? You go in every day. You're like, well, this will be an easy day. They're like, no, it's not. Guess I what? know. That's what just happened. I know. All right, guys, keep up, keep up the good work. We'll All right, we'll see you. Chris Hagan from Fox 59. All right, now we go to Chris. Line two. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's up, Jake? Um, just calling about the Halloween thing, but first I was going to see if you're still taking applications, and if I can be cool like Hagan, nobody calls me Chris either. You can just call me Landers. Okay, Landers. Um, okay, yep. There you go. Uh, second of all, are you taking applications still? Well, Landers, applications we are. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what line of work are you in? Uh, I am an account manager for Pepsi Cola. Oh, really? Do you, now? Do you do, so? Do you load Diet Mountain Dew up on the truck? Uh, I don't load it up, but but I order it so it's in the stores for you. Well, to, buddy, yeah. I got news for you. I'm actually keeping your stock at a high price. You're the director of Diet Mountain Dew Facilitation. How's that? Awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right, but but yes, to agree with you, um, I'm 50 years old, and I can remember being out trick or treating. I it had to be 9:30, 10 o'clock because we always had to get called back in. Never had parents, and. You know, this was an unfortunate thing back in our day, but, I mean, once you got to a certain age of 13, 12, 13, you didn't necessarily go trick-or-treating. You just went bag-snatching. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, that you were you were checking other kids' candy, Landers, is what you were doing, right? <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? exactly. Yeah. Now, exactly. Where, what, where did you grow up? What side of town? Are you from Indy? I am originally from Indy. Uh, I graduate, yes, so east side. So did you go to Warren? I did not. I went to a Catholic school on the east side. Oh, well, you know, hey, that's quite Catholic of you then, running around stealing kids' candy, right? I'm <laughs> sure they were proud of you at the school. Well, they were. They were. <laughs> the, they were having none of it. All right, well, Chris, happy Halloween, man. I appreciate it. Same to you, man. All right. Steve, what's up? Steve, hey, how are you? How are you? I'm, I'm doing I heard on your former show this morning 
that uh, you, you're, you're going on vacation tomorrow to Holland. I'll tell you what, Steve, I am, but we're going to put you on hold and check back on you in a second because it sounds like you're in Holland right now, or at least at the bottom of the Atlantic on the way there. Let's go one more call, and then we'll check back in with Steve. Line one, roulette style. You're on the air. Who's this? This is Tracy Forner. Tracy, what's up, my man? Former Fox 59 talent, Tracy Forner, and CBS 4, or uh, Wish TV, excuse me. Wish TV as well. You were at Fox 59 years ago, right? Didn't you anchor at Fox 59? Then you were at Channel 8 when you were on your cooking show, right? Yes. <laughs> Tracy. There's also, there also a Fox 17 in Grand Rapids, Michigan in between those, if you want to get real specific. So here's the thing, Tracy, for those that don't know. You are, you and I are spirit animals, right? Like, we are literally the same person that, that grew up in, in neighboring states. So I'm assuming that you, like me, trick-or-treated until like 11 o'clock every night, correct? Uh, yes. And not only that, we both have Diet Mountain Dew coursing through our veins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So the thing that gets me nowadays, and I, can, I will fully admit I consider myself a helicopter parent, and I think every parent nowadays is a helicopter parent. When I was a when I was a kid, and I'm talking elementary school age, my parents let me do things on Halloween that I would never let my kids do. Totally. I distinctly remember being on the roof of our house. So I'm like fifth grade. Uh, fifth grade on the roof of our house. I have a pocket fisherman. You could explain that to the guys who haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> what a uh-huh. pocket fisherman is, I took a tennis ball and I painted it black and I put um, pipe cleaner legs on it. So I made a spider at the end of a pocket fisherman and I'm sitting on the roof in a black snowmobile suit. So I'm, you know. And Virtually I'm invisible, lowering, right? I'm just, I'm just lowering it to trick-or-treaters at my parents' front porch. Yeah, there's no danger in that. No danger at all. I'm being on the roof of the house, right? I'm doing this in like fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, of course. My, my youngest is 16, doesn't have a driver's license, and I'm making sure he's bundled up on his way to school. He's a flipping <laughs> junior. Tracy, Tracy, for that matter, one time when I run into you at a restaurant, we'll leave it at that. I run into you at a restaurant. You tell me your kids who were like of teenage age at the time were out in the car. I go out to say hi to them, and you come out and scold them for talking to strangers. I said, just leave the windows up. <laughs> Tracy, man, I appreciate it. Have a happy Halloween, all right? Same to you, my man. Take that care. Is, that is my guy, Tracy Foreigner, man. One of the all-time best. Tracy is one of the all-time best. We're going to check in with Steve one more time. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great, Jake. Much uh, I better. I understand you're going on vacation tomorrow to Europe. Uh, I'm actually going in about three hours, yes. And, and where are you going to? Uh, we're going to Amsterdam, and then we're taking the train to Luxembourg. To Luxembourg. Yes, sir. Well, here, here, are, the, here are the two things that I can tell you about Luxembourg and Holland, well, or the Netherlands, depending on, on, on how you call it. When you're in Amsterdam, stop at the Tony's Chocolate Shop where you can get chocolate bars as big as your head there for a really low. What about as big price? as Eddie's head? <laughs> yeah, probably it would it would be almost as big as Eddie's head. Okay, but, uh, it, it's a good value and great chocolate. Uh, and then when you're in Luxembourg, do not order the horse because you can get horse on the menu in Luxembourg. Come on, really? Come on, uh, 
I was there, and uh, somebody ordered that uh, on the menu when we were there at, a, at an outdoor cafe. Kind of tastes like glue, right? You know, I, we we all he cut a piece off, and we all got a chance to taste it. It's something that I uh, wouldn't do again. Yeah, n- big negative on that, man. Uh, I look forward and, to it, though, Steve. Anything you want me to bring you back? Let me ask you that. Uh, no, I'm good because I'm going. I'm going to Germany and Italy uh, a little bit later next month as well. And uh, Jake, I have a great time with your travel agent. Uh, surely she's got all types of great adventures planned for there in Holland or the Netherlands and Luxembourg. I appreciate it, Steve. Um, I'm glad my head is becoming a measurement system now. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like I, I went and actually completely doubled the the Dutch economy by buying chocolate the size of Eddie's head, <laughs> right? How do you, now I would imagine that melts on the way back, right? I, I wouldn't know. Lastly, Rob, who's the director of PR and public affairs for the company, joins us on the program. Hi, Rob. How are you? Hey, doing good. How are you doing today, Jake? I cannot complain, my man. Well, I wanted to tell you, uh, every year now, this will be the third year in a row, I uh, bartend with a special... Uh, theme i do every year and i basically bartend and drag okay so, so two years ago i did mary poppins now last year this one's for you i did slash in a dress <laughs> probably slash just woken up in a dress i would imagine a few times in his life oh yeah and then uh this year we're going as dolly parton uh, well, obviously, I would imagine there are probably a couple of accentuations to the outfit you need for the Dolly Parton outfit, right? Couple, couple, couple extra pairs of tube socks. Versus, uh, <laughs> you think versus, versus Mary Poppins and uh, and Slash, definitely. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, Rob, you're going to be tending bar, and this will be happening where? Uh, I will be doing this tonight at uh, a restaurant in Noblesville. I just started that because all the old Charlie shut down. I did see that, man. Which and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, I know you did a great job at those, so it was at no fault of yours. Uh, but have fun tonight. Be safe, all right? All right. Thank you so much. You have a good one. All right. That's Rob, the director of PR and public affairs for Aquarian Company. I can't believe you're still wearing the mask. Committed to it. Is it not hot? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look like, honestly, you look like a professional wrestler. Well, you know that's how Spider-Man first tested out his powers. Wrestling got a cage match to make yes. some quick well, money. Who, somebody, somebody was like, "Wait a minute, Jake! How can you not know who Spider-Man is?" I'm like, "I know who Spider-Man is. I don't know the intricacies of Spider-Man's life." By the way, what was the Shawshank Redemption? Uh, it's a movie. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Reference that was made. He was making a reference to the fact that since you guys are not of age to have seen Shawshank, you may not okay. realize some of the like toy tricks and kid things that kids had back in the day. Okay. That's all. This is your mask that that we. No, oh, this one does say adult. This is an adult size mask. What what adult is this? Like, is this an adult? Is this like for the people at Churchill Downs? What I mean, what is this thing's tiny? Those are jockeys, Jake. Uh, I know. Well, you know, know Jake feels like my head is the size of a fat head, so I wouldn't be able to fit in that one. (laughs) Eddie, you're the one that said you wear a size nine hat. I misspoke. I apologize. You do have a big head, though. I do. I know. You don't have to remind me every day. I look uh, at the it. Pacers might have been getting off to a start where they might have had big heads and then all of a sudden back to reality last night against Chicago. We'll talk about that and more with Tony East who joins the program next. It's Quarry and Company here on the Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. 93.5, The Fan. Little- 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wow, 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 right? You know why this is applicable, right? Because Eddie Garrison loves candy. Unbelievable. Listen, I didn't say I hated candy. It's just like... Just joy and happiness. I didn't was it. seek out candy to want to eat. But that's it. the whole point of Halloween. I understand. I didn't seek out candy. Well, that's the whole point of the of the holiday. I mean, at least you know. Did you get tricked early on, and so now standpoint. you're scared of treats? Is that what happened? No. Okay. The only candy I would eat was would be Reese's. That's it. <laughs> Reese's. Yep. Peanut butter cups. Yes. Not Reese's. Hated Tootsie Rolls. Reese's. You hated Tootsie Rolls. You hated Tootsie Rolls. What about dots? Yep, I like dots. Uh, juju, is it juju, juju fruits or juju fruits? Juju what? fruits, right? Never heard of them. Really? No. Junior mints. Yes. These are the auxiliary small box ones that you get, and there's like four of them in there. Right. Like, what is this? Milk duds. Milk duds, another one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Milk duds, exactly. Uh, Tony East joins us now to talk about the Pacers last night losing to the Chicago Bulls in a game where I thought really, from a wing defense standpoint, particularly in the third quarter, they kind of um, broke down a little bit. In addition to that. They just did not shoot the ball in terms of their outside shooters. But, Tony, nonetheless, obviously, reason to be pretty optimistic about the Pacers. We'll get to that. First off, best Halloween costume you had as a kid was what? Good Lord. Uh, Shrek, maybe. I had a pretty good year as uh, an ogre, which is uh, not something I should maybe admit. I've had an Um, entire life like that. (laughs) (laughs) One year I was Shaq, and I carried around a boombox and said I was Radio Shaq. I thought that was pretty funny. That's strong there. That's strong, yep. (laughs) That's good. That's a pretty lazy one, but all you need is a Lakers jersey and some music, and there you go. It's a free costume for anybody. Yeah, but how did you open up the pillowcase with, with the boombox on your arm? <laughs> one arm and – well, I, I didn't have a pillowcase. I had like a little like plastic pumpkin with a handle on the top. Have you ever seen those before? Well, yeah, but I mean then you got to the age where it's like you yeah, realize you the, volume, yes, the volume exactly. you get in a pillowcase is far superior. Economics all of a sudden starts clicking <laughs> yeah. in the head. You're like, I need yeah, a pillowcase exactly. out of this bucket. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Although you gave your age a little bit by saying it was a Lakers jersey because it could have been the Magic jersey, it could have been a Cavs jersey, it could have been a Heat jersey, it could have been a Mavericks jersey, it could have been a Celtics jersey. Stop me anytime. Um, this is this is the NBA these days. It could be a third of the league. Um, yeah, no question about that. Tony, let's begin with just overall your assessment of last night. And, you know, Rick Carlisle had said this morning when he was talking to Kevin and Andy that he pointed out the Cleveland win was a good one, but Cleveland wasn't necessarily at full strength. Uh, Chicago had gotten off to a slow start as well, but what did we learn, if anything, from last night? Yeah, last night's game was the first time I like for a full 48 minutes this season that a team took the Pacers like totally out of their pace, right? Uh, the Cavs did it a little bit in the second half, but this the full 48 minutes it felt like the game was played at the bull speed. The slower offensive sets grind it down, work for a shot. And so for the Pacers, they, they couldn't get into, you know, they had to take the ball out of the neck 36 times, 37 times. They couldn't get into their stuff. They couldn't get across the timeline in two or three seconds like they liked. They couldn't get moving right away. They weren't playing in transition as much because they weren't getting the stops. And, you know, for a team that's whole identity or a lot of their identity is play fast, get into stuff early, be random. When there's a team taking you out of that, both because of the way they're scoring and because of the way they're defending, Javon Carter and Alex Caruso's pressure was fantastic. It was hard for them to get what they wanted, and it was the first time we've seen that all season. They still found enough buckets to be in it. You know, they were ahead in the fourth quarter. They were up eight and third, but I, 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 we hadn't seen that this season where they couldn't play really Pacers basketball for 48 minutes, and 
I think that was my biggest takeaway is there's kind of a, that blueprint to beat them is there. It's just they've got to find a way to, to speed up when teams are playing them like that. Tony, what do you attribute most to their three-point struggles throughout the night? Uh, that, that, there was a few that I didn't like as much. Like in the first two games, I was impressed that they were having a high volume of attempts that were all good looks or at least guys that are allowed to take less good looks. You know, Hal, Hal Burton and Heald can take a contested three every now and then. But last night there were a few that – you know, were rushed or not the guy you'd want to take an early clock three or maybe like a step too far away, right? In general, I think their volume is one of their strengths. They have a good shooting team and they have guys who can create open threes for their teammates. If they take 46 and they're all good most nights, I think they'll be happy with that. But, you know, Andrew Emhart had a few deep ones that didn't feel like the right shot at the time. There were a couple out of the corners that didn't feel like the right shooter at the time, right? I don't think they're going to be too mad about their attempts. I, I asked a couple guys about that after the game. They said, eh, you know, mostly good, but we could search for a couple better shots. I think that just a little bit of reassessment, maybe last night would have been like a 40 or 38 attempt game that would have been a little happier with their shots. I want you to pretend for a second, Tony, that tonight you're out trick-or-treating <laughs> okay. and you run into a witch that has a crystal ball, okay? And then you realize that crystal ball is real and you can see into the future with it. <laughs> so you look into the future to about early March and you're watching a Pacers game and you notice there's one player who's heavily in the rotation right now that for whatever reason is not in March and they've kind of fallen not out of favor but just fallen into a more uh, of an auxiliary role as opposed to a starting role that would be who uh, so you're saying someone whose role is smaller now than the now the crystal ball has revealed correct I would yeah, I would, like, just given the minutes he's played in the lineups, he's played with my answer would be Obi Toppin. Correct. Start- I would agree with that. Yeah, he's starting, and I think he should be playing with Halliburton basically all of his minutes, which is smart. Like, when the team's playing fast and Halliburton can throw his wizard passes, like, that's what Toppin's at his best. But a lot of the times when they've needed to make an adjustment mid-game, it's either that they need more shooting or more defense, and Toppin's okay at shooting, but – they can get more of those skills from other players at that spot, and that's why we've seen a lot of Aaron Neesmith in these games. And when they go small and Neesmith's at the four, that means that we're also getting more Andrew Nembhard in these games. So I think Toppin was at 23 minutes last night. That seems about right to me, but it feels like if, if Neesmith continues to be this, at this level of score as well, given the defense he provides, it feels like there's minutes for him to take, and so he could be the guy that, that takes them. Obviously, Jarris Walker's on the team. And who knows if he'll sneak into the rotation at some point this season. But I would say given the way these first three games have gone, not that Toppin's done anything wrong. He was great on the glass against the Bulls, but he seems like the guy that that could happen to. It feels to me like Toppin, you know, as a starter, they're giving him – he's getting plenty of opportunity to show what he can do. And I'm not saying he's not a good player, but – if there's an opportunity to take minutes away from, say, an Isaiah Jackson who's who's fallen down the roster here, I just think that Toppin, at this point, Tony, hasn't necessarily firmly grasped and shown why he merits being in the starting lineup. And that's not to say he can't. I mean, it's only three games. But I've kind of expected to see more out of him. But am I being too critical? No, I mean, the thing I said when I was talking to somebody about this last night was like, They've had two games in a row, like I said, where the other team took them out of their style. And the reason that's relevant to Toppin is because his his big appeal with the Pacers was that he could play fast, right, and be in the open floor with this team. Well, they haven't been able to get into those moments, right? So he's kind of had to settle into not quite a half-court-only team, but a little slower pace. And he's 
He's figuring out where his shots will come in the half court with a new team, and that's not where he's as strong. I got in a practice today. You think you figured out where your shots are going to come from with this team, right? Because I think last night he took seven or eight, and five of them were threes, right? So when you think of him, you think of this athletic play finisher, but he's taking corner threes, and he made two of them. That's fine. You can make 40% of your threes. You should do that every game. I don't think that's a problem, but it's definitely different than kind of the expectation when they acquired him in terms of their speed and where his shots would come from. And I think that might be an adjustment for him at first. Like you said, it's only been three games, but if they can't play as fast as they want all the time or he's resigned to more of a three-point shooting role, which, again, he's making them to his credit, but that's that's not what he was thought to be, so maybe that could change what his role is. Tony East of Sports Illustrated and Locked On Pacers joins us. Tony, it felt like last night Chicago made a point of emphasis, particularly in the fourth, to take the ball out of Tyrese Halliburton's hands and make somebody else try to run the offense. And it felt like last night Bruce Brown was often that go-to guy, especially in the fourth quarter. Is that what you anticipate happening if teams decide to try to take Tyrese away from leading the offense? Or is there somebody else like an Andrew Nemhard that as the season unfolds, maybe he's the guy that's handling the offense if they're trying to face guard Tyrese? Yeah, I think the Bulls, you know, that with Javon Carter and Alex Caruso are very well equipped to be a team that actually gets the ball out of Halliburton's hands. Those guys are awesome at ball pressure. We're picking up pretty pretty close to full court last night at times. Like that's hard for the Pacers. And I think Bruce Brown like can be that secondary creator a lot of times. He was for Denver a lot last year. He was for the Pacers against the Cavs. Like he had a couple nice assist games in the preseason. Last night I thought he made a lot of good passes that didn't actually lead to makes. The trouble is, Andrew Nemhard usually would be a good option for that as well. They love Andrew Nemhard. He played like 15 straight minutes in the first half, but he was really poor over in the fourth quarter against the Bulls last night. It really changed the game that he had a couple rough turnovers and couldn't quite get to his spots as well as we've seen him do in the first two games. So Benetit came out a little earlier than normal. They couldn't turn to him to be that secondary guy. So they tried Bruce Brown, and he, he was, again, fine at it, but it wasn't going as well as they would have hoped. Like, Buddy Heald's quietly had some nice passing games to open the season. You know, he's on the weak side more just given how this team is built now. And he just gets into these quick pick and rolls with Jalen Smith or Miles Turner. He's made some nice passes. He's done well in that way too. But, you know, I think kind of will evolve and, and depending on what the matchup calls for, they couldn't turn to the guy they liked to in Nemhard last night given how his fourth quarter started. And they didn't get quite enough from Bruce Brown down the stretch. So I think they got okay looks. They just – we're playing their game. The Bulls slow them down too much. You know, one of the things to me that's interesting, Tony, in watching the Pacers, and I try to watch, I think I've mentioned this before. Tony East is our guest, by the way, here on the program. I I watch when guys come off the floor, and I see how they are responded to or or greeted when they come off the floor. And you can see with other teams, a lot of times, guys walk off and like nobody says a word to them. With the Pacers, there does seem to be a camaraderie that I don't know that has always been the case here. This group genuinely, all the way down the line, appears to genuinely like one another. But does that teeter on – can that be compromised at any time, I guess, based on rotations? Yeah, that is one of their unique skills, right? Last year, like O'Shea Brissett would toggle between 20-minute games and zero-minute games, and either way, he was a great – bench guy, rah-rah, helping out his teammates, being happy. T.J. McConnell is great at that, right? Like, part of what makes them good at that is they've had good guys to do it, and, like, if you're a young player who's not playing and T.J. McConnell's being a good bench guy, you've got to be a good bench guy, right? You can't not do what he does. So I think they are uniquely equipped just from the vets that they've had in the last couple of years, James Johnson last year as well, to be that kind of team. The other part of it is you've got to be winning, right? Like, if you're not winning and you're not playing, it's a lot harder to – 
to be in a good mood. You'll want to play. You'll want to try to help. You'll want to contribute. And so that's part of it. And they've played fine and pretty good to open the season, right? Like it's not going to be a thing. But, yeah, as the season progresses, right, and there's injuries, right, we just learned of two today that could be a problem for Boston, right? Guys will get to play. We'll see how that kind of transforms things because it can be if, if minutes are a lingering issue for a guy who doesn't play for a long time or if losses start to pile up, it can t- totally change the tenor of how those bench moments go, right? I think with the, the Nate Bjorkren team just had the worst bench vibes ever, right? And I, it's been such a big change from that team. So they certainly currently have a tight locker room and tight bench moments, but that, that can change pretty quickly depending on results. Tony, what do you think is the top thing we could learn about this Pacers team in Boston on Wednesday? Oh, gosh. Um, I, w- I would have said how they defend that team would have been very telling. Right? They have a lot of big wings. That is the exact type of player the Pacers have struggled with for- forever, basically, uh, including against the Bulls, really, with DeRozan getting to the line whenever he wanted, with Levine getting to the line quite often. But if they're without Matherin, uh, who knows? He-, he was seeing a doctor about his elbow today. Uh, that could change how how they defend and what what we can actually learn about the Pacers because that would have been telling. Who is he on? How does he do? Right? He had some good moments defending DeRozan on Monday, but he was in foul. He had foul issues that, that limited his minutes. So that was one thing I was looking forward to is who he guarded and how that went. He's, his defense has been mostly solid to me this season. Uh, but the other thing, too, is they're kind of the perfect test for the Pacers' kind of roster build, right? Celtics have an awesome top six, probably the best top six in the league. But their depth is really weak, and the Pacers have awesome depth. That's been one of their strengths through these early games is their bench comes in, defends really well, wins the minutes. Right Against Boston, that could have been a nice kind of rubber band kind of game where it pushes and pulls, and there's runs of various degrees. Well, if they, are limited, if they lose some of their depth in that game, that also kind of goes away. So those are things that could be available to the Pacers. We'll see if Matherin plays. We'll see how much depth they have. Um, I still think they have enough depth to have a better bench, even if they're missing guys. Um, but I think those are the keys that, that we'll find out against far and away their best opponent tomorrow. Again, Tony East, our guest, SI Pacers, Forbes Sports, WTHR, Locked On Pacers as well, at Tony R. East is where you can find him on Twitter, X, whichever way you want to call it. Tony, let's go back to that Benedict Matherin injury you're talking about uh, of the elbow. Severity is what? I guess they're still finding that out. And this has been lingering yeah. since when? Uh, it happened apparently in this Bulls game. It just happened, or at least it, it got maybe more intense in that game. I thought I saw him at one point kind of favoring. Was, uh, like, did, did you notice he was kind of like – at one point I noticed in the game, I thought it was a hand injury. I guess now it makes sense because he was kind of like flexing his hand. Like he couldn't figure out where there was pain. It was like midway through the second half, I think. But I didn't realize it might have been last night. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. It, well, it was tough for me. I think I know what you're talking about because he also had, like, slammed into the stanchion at 100 miles per hour and then got drilled on the next play. Like, there were, like, 30 moments where he could have gotten banged up in that game. Um, but he, like, he made all his free throws last night. He got to the line a bunch. Like, he, his play style didn't really reflect the guy with dealing with some elbow pain. Apparently it happened the first half of uh, that Bulls game, so he did not practice today because he was meeting with the doctor. And then Tyrese Halburn, uh, again, I didn't see this happen either, but apparently landed on Jalen Smith's foot. Um, during this Bulls game, and it was also a maybe for this boxing game. Like Kyle said, those guys will likely be listed as questionable at best. We'll see where they are tomorrow. So, both the key guys, key young guys that could be out, we'll see where that shakes out. But neither of them practiced today. Tony, what do you make of the in-season tournament and it getting started on Friday? Are you excited about the NBA Cup? Do you care? Do you, do you think understand the court design's it? Cool. Yeah. Do you understand it? That's the key one, I guess. <laughs> I do understand it because I'm a dork and I immediately tried to make sure I, I actually like 
jotted down on like a notepad, like all the groups, so I could like see the draw the format myself. So I get the format. Um, I like the idea, right? Like in general, if there's just more competitive basketball games, I will enjoy that. And so even if the regular season games are exactly the same, there is a title game, so there's going to be one extra competitive NBA game. Like to me, that's cool. That's good. And it will feel gimmicky at first, no doubt. Like people keep pushing back on that. I'm like, no, it's going to feel weird. It's inorganic right now. But in 10, 15 years, whatever, it'll be a normal thing, right? Once every player in the league has only been in an NBA where there's an in-season tournament, right? Jarris Walker's never played in the NBA where there isn't an in-season tournament, right? Once that's true of every player, I think it'll feel a lot more real to everyone. But for now, I, I like the idea. I don't like uh, the bright court. <laughs> it's going to be really weird. I think uh, every team's doing it for their home games for it, just so the crowd knows what the game is about, that it's it got this added importance. I think there could have been some more subtle ways to do that than a cerulean and yellow court. But in general, I like the uh, I like the tournament. I think if they're trying to not make it gimmicky, though, the bright blue court might have been, might, might not have been the move. You know, I, I guess the question I have, Tony, is do you think that it's possible this entire tournament over the course of the year takes place and people are still confused by it? And I'm not trying to be, I mean, oh, yeah. flippancy aside, I'm just saying, you know, the, the passerby audience, is there? Is it possible they're going to be like, wait, what is going on here? Or, or that they don't even, aren't even aware that it's a quote-unquote tournament game? Yeah, the, the court makes it impossible to not know if you're actually watching the game. But I do think that it could be true. Like, I think they actually did something smart by making it only three group stage games because that makes them all really important. So it's like kind of, it'll be pretty obvious after like, two group stage games knowing like who's going to the playoff bracket or what you're playing for, which will make it easy to like tell people. But yeah, that could make it. I think the confusing part will be specifically like the fourth game and fifth game of it. When it's like, this is not the group stage anymore. This is the quarterfinals of a tournament, but it's also a regular season game in our arena, right? Like that'll be hard. That'll be where it's kind of hard to explain that it actually has like knockout implications of a tournament bracket. But once it's in Vegas or the group stage games with with the bright courts, I think that will be mostly easy to figure out. It's just the format can be, especially if you have no idea what's going on, right? It's hard to like catch up to that on the fly. If somebody is trick-or-treating at your house tonight, they're getting what kind of candy? Uh, I, I'll pronounce it like you and say Reese's peanut butter cups, not Eddie's Reese's. Um, that will be there. We've got some little Snickers going on. We're, we're a chocolate-giving house. What is the hate? What's wrong with the way I say no, that? No, I think it's the fact that everybody says it your way, and apparently the Reese's folks are upset about it. Oh, so you're upset Is with it, it, Tony? Everybody says Reese's, right? I mean, everybody. Yes. But I, I th- say but- Reese's, but the, the, the little M&M size ones, Reese's pieces is- is an word. It's pieces. Right. So I know well, Reese's is right, but I still say it wrong. <laughs> there, somewhere there's a really PO'd Mr. Reese because he like had a marketing campaign where he's like, I'm tired of people saying my name wrong. It's Reese's. Oh, Tony, quick question. Have you seen Shawshank Redemption? I have, yes. Okay. Yeah. Tony's a, a living American, yes. <laughs> well, not, I mean, he's not a, he's not a okay. communist. Okay. I'm not even a movie guy, and I've seen Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, exactly. Tony, Tony's had TNT at some point and turned over to a game and been like, why is this guy in prison and what's going on in the shower? Yeah, he, he's aware. Tony, appreciate it. Thanks. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Tony East again on the hotline. By the way, there was a lot of talk, a lot of question, a lot of speculation when Kirk Cousins went out. Was Minnesota going to go out and make a phone call and get a backup quarterback who had extensive starts this year in the NFL? And the answer is yes. They've made the call, and a guy that started the year as a backup and then ended up being a starter is on his way to Minnesota. And we'll tell you exactly who that is next.
By the way, whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Real quick, before I answer what quarterback is on his way to Minnesota, one of my favorite little tidbits about this song, this video. Uh, years ago, when I was working actually with Terry Stacy at WIBC, I don't even know how it came about. But in this very famous video, the Michael Jackson Thriller video, when he's dancing in the street with all the zombies, the there's one female zombie dancer that is right behind Michael Jackson that is clearly like the leader of the dance troupe. And we ended up, I don't even know how it came to be, but we ended up having her on the radio. That that The female, she's a dancer in Los Angeles, runs a dance academy. And we asked her all about like the filming of the Michael Jackson Thriller video, which was you know probably the most iconic music video of all time. And she said that in the dance class, she was in college at the time, in the dance classes that she was taken, taking, there were like memos sent around in Los Angeles, like, hey, here's an opportunity for dancers, tryouts, an exhibition, you know, whatever. And they didn't tell them what it was. They only said that it was going to be like a three night shoot that they would practice for like a month the routine and then have a three-day commitment for like and it was she said a lot of money for her at the time so she was selected along with like 20 other people they literally learned the dance for like i think it was a month for a couple of hours a day and then showed up at the actual job event and michael jackson walked out and was like okay we're doing this video and she said he was the greatest perfectionist she'd ever they she said literally they practiced for like 12 straight hours all three days shooting different things and he could she's like he had like eyes in the back of his head he could see like if somebody in the line the fourth line third from the right like was out of line for a single step he saw it and he'd be like let's do it again and none of them had any idea what it was for but they had to dress up in the costumes do the dance and they're like okay thanks they got their money and like six months later the video came out pretty cool that's awesome um so on his way to minnesota part of quarterback josh dobbs who, of course, had been filling in for Kyler Murray in Arizona, is on his way to Minnesota to replace the injured Kirk Cousins. I think there was a lot of question about who Minnesota was going to go after, and one would think that Gardner Minshew probably was in that discussion, I would think. I mean, Dobbs hasn't played poorly, right? He's been okay. I'm been right. fine. Compensa- That's probably the best way to say it, yeah, right? He's been fine. Uh, compensation, Cardinals give Dobbs and a seventh to the Vikings for a sixth. Sixth round pick. I mean, if you're the Cardinals, you're kind of like, I mean, what do you what do you benefit from that? Really, uh, uh, one spot up. Yeah, one, I mean, one, it, one. you're just adding another pick to the war chest. That's it. They're not doing anything this year. Who knows if Kyler Murray's actually the quarterback of their future or not? I have no idea. That I think Kyler Murray is a prime example of. You know, we just can't jump too early. Will Levis. Will Levis gets out to a great start in Tennessee, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, four touchdowns. Like, you know, put him in Canton. Kyler Murray, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield. The Cardinals, Jake, you'll appreciate this analogy. The Cardinals fell into the IU football trap. They saw flashes with Kyler Murray. They know how the league works. You have to pay that guy, and they did it without a second thought. And now he's struggling to stay healthy. He's been inaccurate since they paid him. And he's kind of been a hassle at times, right? Yes, yes. 
Well, who was it that that came out with the? I mean, it's kind of a, a and Jimmy Cook conspiracy theory, but Ooh. or tinfoil hat. Love a good conspiracy theory, but I think you know about the um, the whole Kyler Murray Call of Duty. Oh yeah, thing like each time a new. I think it was Call of Duty. Wasn't it was it? indeed Call of Duty. Yes. Each time Call of Duty was released, like he would really struggle for like a week. Double XP, he'll get you. Double XP. Yeah, double experience points. I also play Call of Duty. <laughs> Apparently. But yeah, double, that, that, that double was the experience. Track. Yeah, so so there's a ranking system, and usually on the launch night of the game, you can get double experience okay, points. Which, which they, game? Which game is it that you play with people elsewhere, and you go into like abandoned warehouses and things Call like of Duty. that? Okay. So I go over to my buddy's house. I'm not going to say his name. Sure. I mean, there I, are others, but Call of Duty is the primary one. Five years ago, 10 years ago, I go over to a buddy of mine's house, childhood friend, known him my whole life. And he has like a home theater system. I mean, it's a, it's impressive, right? <laughs> and I walk in, and first off, I thought he was watching like, you know, Terminator or something. Sure. He has the surround sound and the whole deal. And I mean, it sounds like F-16s are flying through his kitchen and everything else. <laughs> And I walk in, and he's got on a little headset like he's taking orders at the drive-thru, and he's got his handset, and he's playing some video game, and he has a teammate, and they're like going into a building, and they're, you know, like, watch me down this hallway, you know, I'm going to go down. And the other guy made a mistake, and a bad guy popped out or whatever, and so my buddy is screaming profanities. I mean, screaming profanities at his teammate, like you would do if you're playing pickup ball and your your guy misses a, a switch or whatever. And I mean, he's just screaming profanities at him. So he notices me there. Did he know you were arriving? Yeah, I had said like, okay, hey, I'll be okay, over at whatever time. Right. So he says in his game to his partici- his teammate, whatever yeah. it is, he goes, listen, I got somebody over here. I'm going to be I'm going to be stepping out or however you call it for five minutes or whatever. And he pauses himself or however you do that. <laughs> so he turns around to me and goes, okay, what's going on? And I go, so what are you doing here? And he goes, I'm playing this game. And I, and I go, well, who is your teammate? And he goes, I don't know, some nine-year-old kid in Idaho. He's terrible. I'm like, this seems to be a problem, right? So you can play by yourself in public lobbies. And yeah, I suppose nine-year-olds could potentially be playing. I like connect with a bunch of friends, and then we play on a well, team together. And my buddy doesn't have a lot of those, I guess. Except for me. And I don't know video games, so, you know, I played... I was really good at Super Mario Brothers. I got decent at Mike Tyson's punch out. I loved pole position, and I was decent at track and field, but I would always get blisters on my pointer finger until I realized that you could actually use your ruler to go really fast. But I couldn't do that <laughs> damn high jump every time. Got me every time. Uh, Steven Holder, ESPN.com, probably busy right now with the trade deadline. We're going to talk to him next. This is Tom Allen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One's favorite song, by the way. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I always kind of liked the Munsters, too, which was, I thought the Munsters had a great theme song. I would agree with you. Yesterday, JMV was talking about Kevin McHale, and I said it reminds me of Fred Gwynn. Better known as Herman Munster. Uh, joining us on the program, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so based on that intro, you read him at ESPN.com. And Stephen Holder, I'll begin right to this point. Uh, trade deadline is today. Do you anticipate that you are going to be actively writing about anything in the next couple of hours? 
I don't expect it. Um, I can't rule anything out, but I'm certainly not expecting anything. I think the, the Colts are kind of in this weird spot. That's that's the issue. Like, you you generally at the trade deadline have one of two motivations: you're you're buying or you're selling. I don't see that they have motivation to do either. <laughs> and and so just in, from a general perspective, right? So if you're the Colts, uh, selling. I think suggests that maybe you don't think that this season is going anywhere, but it also suggests that you're kind of rebuilding. And I don't think that's the case. I think that it's kind of on hold. The quarterback's out. They're going to try to pick this thing up next year. Uh, And then if you're, if you're buying, it it suggests that maybe you're trying to make a run. And I don't think they're trying to do that. I mean, they'd love to, but I just don't think that's where they are. So they're in this weird no man's land. And I guess that's why watching the Colts right now is kind of an awkward experience because what are the Colts and where are the Colts? It's kind of a hard thing to to kind of ascertain, I guess. So we just saw the news that Minnesota has selected their quarterback, making a move with Arizona with Kirk cousins out. Do you believe, and, and I shouldn't say, do you believe that would, do you think there's a chance that they had called about Gardner Minshew? Mm, I mean, a chance, maybe, maybe a chance. Um, I, I don't think they would have had the Colts, they being the Colts, I don't think they would have had much motivation to do that deal. Uh, they, they're still competitive. Look, the last three games have been killers, but they're still competitive. Minshew still gives you, I think, the best chance to win. And they do have a manageable schedule on the back half. So anything's possible, you know? So I, I think that would be pulling the plug if you did that. And I get it that the Sam Ellinger's interesting and that uh, Shane Steichen is, is a good coach and maybe he can, you know, make something happen there. But I think you definitely have a more known quantity with Gardner Minshew. So anyway, that, that wasn't your question maybe, but I, I just think that, that's my rationale for why I wouldn't move him. Give me the three players, Stephen, that you think. Let's just say, for example, that Chris Ballard woke up this morning and thought, you know what? It's Halloween. I'm willing to give out candy. So I'm going to let all the general managers know. Come make an offer. Everybody's up for grabs, not named Anthony Richardson. Who are the three players that actually would have the most interest or value around the league? Uh, well, I mean, the most value, I, I think you got to start – for me, I think you start with DeForest Buckner. Now, I'm trying to remember if it, I think he's got one more year on his contract, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I mean, so that would actually be a good thing because the, the number that he's at currently is actually kind of manageable for for the production you're getting for that player. So he would have he would have value around the NFL. There's no doubt about that. Um, he'd be one. Uh, let's see. Beyond that. You know who's interesting is Zach Moss. Now they're not trading Zach Moss, but I'm. But I, I think he's interesting in that. I think he got, would get he would covet more now than he did when the Colts got him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think he has opened some eyes. I mean, he he definitely has good timing because his contract's up this year. And while I don't think he's going to go out there and break the bank, uh, you know he's. There, there is a difference clearly between Zach Moss and a player like Jonathan Taylor, just from a 
an ability perspective. I mean, but but Zach Moss, I will say Zach Moss has maximized his opportunity here, and I got to give him a lot of credit for that. So he'd be an interesting one to think about. You know, just I, I think if you're a team that maybe is a little a little light at running back, and, and maybe you need a guy to help you move the chains, uh, help out a quarterback, he'd be perfect for that kind of thing. So he would be one. And uh, now, again, this is since we're talking clearly hypothetical here, you know what would, would be interesting? I wonder what Michael Pittman's value would be around the NFL. I have no idea. I haven't even thought about this, and neither have the Colts because they're not trading him. But I'm just wondering, you know, like if, you, if you're just talking about purely hypothetical, uh, just spitballing, what is the value of a young, uh, talented receiver on, on the final year of his deal? I mean, if he, if he went somewhere and was paired with a, a proven number one receiver, I think he would have just a, a great situation there. So I, I don't know where that would be. And I don't know what that would cost, but it would be interesting. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com joins us. Stephen, of key pieces that are on a contract year. <laughs> I can't take you seriously that mask. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Spider-Man today, Stephen, in case you have not uh, joined oh, the YouTube is, chat. This is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so of players that are significant contributors of the Colts that are on contract years, Michael Pittman Jr., Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, Julian Blackman, would any of them get traded today? I feel like the answer is probably no, but would any of them get traded today? And if not, are they all Colts in 2024? Well, that's definitely a harder question, the second part. Um, I would say I would say probably not to the first question uh, in terms of getting traded today. You know, the one guy, if they were in a different situation, uh, personnel-wise, and I'm, I'm talking about that cornerback, if they actually had like, legitimate NFL caliber cornerbacks, <laughs> maybe trading Kenny Moore would be an option. Uh, they do not have a, a plethora of NFL caliber corners right now available, so that won't happen, I presume. So, But I, I do think, you know, when you think about uh, Kenny Moore and his, his past value to this team, it, it was higher in the former defensive system. Uh, with Matt Eberflus. I, I think there's no question about that. Now, I do think they have figured out this year how to get a little more out of him and have done a better job. I think he's having a really good season. I think he has turned back the clock a little bit and looks like the guy who who we thought he was. So that's all good. Uh, I'm talking about Kenny Moore specifically. So anyway, moving forward, tell me your list again. You said Kenny Moore. Uh, did you say Julian Blackman? I forget. Yeah, Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman, Grover Stewart, Michael Pittman Jr. Gotcha. Uh, in terms of next year, that's that's interesting. Because you'll probably uh, tag one, right? You'd think? Uh, I mean, they have the option. Now, what I'd say about the tag is they don't have a history of using right, it. So that, right. that is interesting. But they also have been very purposeful when it comes to resigning their players and haven't really played that game. They, they just did it, you know? So I, I think this year – they have a lot of guys up at once. Now they're not, you know, getting Quentin Nelson level money. That's different, maybe, except the the exception being possibly Michael Pittman. But the other guys probably not. So maybe that, you know, takes the 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 seriousness of the situation down a notch. But but it definitely is a lot to manage. I think uh, they they will have a lot of co- a lot of 
cap space. So there's that. Anyway, so as to not ramble, I, I think the guy that's interesting there is is Julian Blackman because they have Nick Cross, and you know that they could treat that the way they've treated linebacker, which is you know guys come up and and get you know eligible for a contract, and then they just kind of backfill him with the next guy. And the Colts have done that at linebacker like three or four times already <laughs> over the last seven or eight years. And, and it hasn't been the wrong decision. You know, Anthony Walker, you know, he becomes eligible to leave. He, he gets a free agent contract and leaves, and they backfill him. Uh, last year, Okereke, same thing. He gets $40 million from the Giants. Colts say, all right, good for you. you know, good for you. And they backfill him with EJ Speed. You know, as their third linebacker, it's worked out. I don't think they've really missed a beat for the most part. Uh, so maybe they have a little bit of a situation like that. Uh, K- Kenny's a tough one, man. I I do think that he kind of gets labeled as a quote unquote nickel corner, and for some teams that has less value than others. But I think he is probably one of the most versatile guys at that position. And and can also play outside too. I think he has a lot of value personally. I, I think Kenny Moore is going to be an interesting decision for the Colts. I, I don't know. I think it, I think there's good odds of him coming back, but but I'm telling you, I I, I don't know. It, it only takes one team, you know. And if they want to overpay, uh, he might go. Stephen, let's say you know. I thought that the and I've said this before in the last couple of days, I, I thought the New Orleans game was kind of a boulder in the stream for the Colts. I know their schedule is still pretty favorable, but it feels like now, you know, the reality is there that a wild card or even, the, you know, they got to win the division probably to get in the playoffs in the AFC, and, and it's just not going to happen, most likely, right? So, so as they move forward here in this season, what are the areas that are most under analysis? What are the things, as Chris Ballard is looking at building a franchise around Anthony Richardson, he is most closely scrutinizing what over the next month? Okay, good question. I actually think – now, most people would immediately think offense, right? Like, like wide receiver. I actually think – I still think they need to add to that. And they will, I guess. I think. I hope. <laughs> but but I actually think the arrow is up there. I mean, they need more, but the guys that they do have, I'm actually okay with them. Uh, I like Michael Pittman. I, I like Alan Pierce. Josh Downs, I mean, what is not to like? I, I think the arrow is up on those guys. You know, there's only one football, whatever. They're also playing with a backup quarterback, right? So, Whatever. For me, I look at defense, even though that's probably not the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about building around uh, Anthony Richardson. But, you know, I, I, thought, I, I thought the defense was going to take a bigger step this year. I was actually pretty high on the Colts' defense to at least be um, above average. And I don't know that they are. In fact, they're below average in, in a lot of metrics right now. And that's kind of disappointing. There have been some losses from a personnel perspective, clearly, right? They have had some injuries in the secondary. Grover Stewart's out. I get all that. Uh, But, you know, they got to get to the quarterback. They have still shown an inability to do that uh, on a regular basis. And, and that look, you win two ways. You just talked about Anthony Richardson and building around him. You win in the NFL, at least the teams that are, are consistently competitive. You win by having great quarterback play and by 
beating other quarterbacks with your defense and going and getting those quarterbacks, you know? And so, you know, they've got one of those. They think they have their quarterback, but can they go out there and make life hell on other quarterbacks? And the answer is not really. I I mean, look at Derek Carr on Sunday for all the talk about Tony Brown. And look, let's be honest, Tony Brown shouldn't have been out there. Okay. I have a bigger problem. I would argue with Derek Carr being able to make a sandwich in the pocket and take his that's time. A, that's and, a sandwich and, made of toast, by the way, courtesy of Tony Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that was a layup, right? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, come on, man. Like we, we talk about Derek Carr, like he's some kind of joke, but like you give Derek Carr a wide open or excuse me, a, a clean pocket and a wide open receiver. You're going to lose, man. <laughs> you're going to lose. So that's what happened. And, I just think defensively, they they can't keep having to chase their tail every week and outscore opponents. I mean, that's just not the way to go. Stephen Holder of ESPN joins us. Stephen, this kind of builds off that last question, but a lot of times general managers will make a move at the deadline that might not be for the now, but it is for their development process of the entire roster, maybe years down the line. The Bears kind of did that today with the Commanders, where you would think that Montez Sweat is a piece they're yeah. going to want to build around, and they give up a 2024 second-round pick to do it. Is there any avenue for the Colts at any position where maybe that's a look Chris Bauer gives? That's not out of the question, I guess. Um, I, I actually think that that would actually be the right mindset to a degree. Now, I would – I will – preface this by saying I did question the Bears move there only because Montez Sweat is is in a contract year and (laughs) you're gonna have to pay him big money I presume they've already talked about that otherwise what the hell are you doing so (laughs) I I presume they're gonna re-sign him but as was pointed out by others on social media uh, you're giving up that that high second round pick most likely okay that's gonna be a valuable second round pick and you honestly, you, you might have been able to go sign him in for agency because are they going to re-sign Chase Young and Montez Sweat? So you've given up a high, uh, a, a very high second-round pick to go get him, and then now also going to have to pay him, and then you don't have that that second-round pick that you could use to you know continue to build around whatever quarterback you end up having. I, I think you're year. doing that to jump the line, right? Like yeah, you're trying I to guess. jump That's free fair. agency to. Have the negotiations. I assume, like you mentioned, they already did that, but I think that's a move general managers would make to jump the line and not worry about the chaos yeah. of free agency. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And and it's a it's an okay strategy. It's not a terrible strategy. It's just, you know, I, I think it depends on your perspective, right? I mean, some people are okay with it. I think they have the draft capital. And so it's kind of like, you know, when you're in the casino and you, you took out too much money out of the ATM, you just say, ah, let's just go for it, <laughs> which is a terrible strategy. But at that point, you've already taken the money out, right? Anyway, let's make this about the Colts. Um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily hate that strategy in, it, in theory for the Colts because I do think they should be a, in a forward-looking mode. Um, I don't know who that is and, and what position they would target necessarily, but but I do think they have some some weaknesses that they have to think about. You know, we just talked about defense. I mean, you know, I could see like if, if if the Colts made that move, for example, for Montez Sweat, I don't think they have necessarily the the draft capital to pull off something like that. But if they were to make a move like that, you know, 
I could see it. I think the Bears are much further away is my question, right? What, where are they going ultimately, like, in 2024? Yeah, the Bears stink. I'm just using stuff. them as an example yeah. because they're the no, ones no, that no, made the move, that's right? Fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'm, I'm saying – I'm giving you why that move would make more sense sure. for Indy. Right. You know, a move like that. I actually think – I mean, look, there's a scenario where the Colts make a bigger jump and make a, a sizable jump in 2024. You know, I don't see that for the Bears, but I do think that's possible here. So, so that's why what you lay out is not a terrible, you know, theory or strategy. Um, it just depends on on who's out there, who's for sale, and and what's going to cost. Obviously. By the way, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I only mention this because they're in the division with the Colts. The Jaguars are making a trade. The Vikings are sending Ezra Cleveland. Uh, there was another guy that they thought was better than Ezra, but Ezra Cleveland is on his way now to Jacksonville. Is this another sign, Stephen, that the Jaguars are saying, you know what, the time in the windows now, let's push in? Oh, I, I think that's that's probably true. I mean, number one, I think they coming into this year, my whole my whole perspective on the Jaguars was, eh, show me, don't tell me. Oh, well, I think they're kind of showing us. You know, like they have, they have come out of this um, intact. I mean, they had a couple losses early that we wondered about. You know, what did that say about them? But I mean, they're they're right where they need to be, and I think it also tells you. I mean, look at the standings around the entire NFL. I mean, right now, San Francisco is trying to get its act together. You know, right now, uh, teams like the Dolphins kind of have a chink in their armor. You know, just given a couple of losses they've had. Um, you know. The Bills have three losses. I mean, who's even good? <laughs> you know? So if you're Jacksonville, my model would be, why not us? Why not us, right? Why I mean, not Indiana? Indiana? Why not Indiana is my theme for everything, Stephen. I'm actually trademarking it. Don't think about stealing it. <laughs> um, th- this is a beautiful slogan, right? The Pacers could use it, right? Like, talking yeah. about the NBA playoffs, why not Indiana? Now, for the Colts, it's harder because it's Indianapolis, not Indiana. But the Colts could use that, too. Uh, the The city itself, you're thinking about moving a business? You're thinking about moving to a new place? You want you want it's, great it's family value? pitch. Why, yeah. why not Indiana, right? It could be like a... a Chamber of Commerce pitch. <laughs> Why not Indiana? Right. See, you're on board, right? I, yeah, I, Steven, I mean, it depends on what your options are, right? And then that would be the Well, answer. once my trademark goes through, I'm going to print T-shirts. Can I get you to wear one of them on ESPN? Little, little, uh, you know, little pale plug sure. all here. I mean, look, look, Pat McAfee today on ESPN is wearing a Halloween costume. Do you know what that Halloween costume is? It's Lolita the Whale. He's doing I'm, that for I'm Jim, right? I mean, may she rest in peace. You know, it was a very sad moment. But look, man, I mean, if he can do that on ESPN, why can't I wear that right, T-shirt? Right, right. And people would say to themselves, I need a Why Not Indiana T-shirt. I'm curious about this, Stephen, <laughs> with the trade deadline. And, and I don't know. I mean, I'm genuinely asking this. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, ten years ago, like the NBA trade, li- trade deadline has always been a thing. The MLB trade deadline has always kind of been a thing. The NFL trade deadline, I, I don't know that most people even knew when it was. And in the last couple of years, it's become like all the buzz. Is that because there is like philosophical differences about the value of it within the NFL? Or is that more so because in the social media PR era, it's another example of the NFL being smart and keeping itself in the news cycle? 
yeah, I actually think it's a lot of that latter point that you made. There's no doubt about it. We are more hyper aware of it. And I mean, honestly, like the Montez sweat trade is a big deal. But a lot of the deals that happen, they're not going to matter. OK, let's be clear. They're really not going to matter. Uh, but, you know, we, we do we overhype them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and and really, it was any trade deadline in any sport. It, it really is a matter of the the anticipation is what it's about more than what actually happens. Although I would say there have been some deals at the deadline that have mattered. I mean, the Christian McCaffrey trade is a great example of a, of a trade deadline deal that 100% mattered like a lot. Now, you know, the Montez sweat trade is not going to matter, you know, come January, you know, but, but there could be a deal that happens you know, where it does matter. I mean, the Josh Dobbs trade. Josh Dobbs didn't like that. No, he did not. I guess we'll try Steven back. Maybe it was Halloween antics. Ooh, that's a good point. Somebody hacking in, right? Exactly. Maybe the call came from inside the house. Exactly. Inside the studio. What's your scariest Halloween movie, Jimmy? Oh. Or, Or scary movie. I mean, it doesn't have to be Halloween themed. I always, and my my brother reminded me about this film, The Ring, probably up there. Yeah, okay. I love. Did you ever see Hostel? Uh. Uh-uh. Did you ever see Saw? Yes. I thought the original Saw was really good, yeah. and then it was weird afterwards because you had to say I saw Saw, and then people were like what? I really like Cloverfield. I don't know if you. Yeah, that's that good. Is. Really well done for sure. Uh, Stephen joins us back. Stephen, as you were, sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't even realize uh, that I had uh, been disconnected because, I, I mean, I was on a rant, man. Well, continue um, the rant. Yeah, I don't know where, where I left off, but... Josh Dobbs, um, and then you went away. That's all we heard. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, like, that's a that's a trade that could matter, potentially, in the long term. Uh, you know, when I, when I say long term, I mean, like, January. You know, just depending on how the, the Vikings pan out. Uh, I, I would say this, too. Um, you know, in the NBA, you trade a superstar at the trade deadline and, and you have him for, I don't know, the four, the final like 30 games or whatever it is uh, that has a chance to really shift the, the, the power in a conference or, or a division or what have you, you know? So uh, a single player in the NFL, I'm sorry, in the NBA at the trade deadline can make a huge difference. It's very rare that that happens in the NFL. So that's why I, I think the, and the, the NBA and, and obviously baseball trades, you know, will always have a bigger impact just because that that single player can just have a, a, a much bigger uh, effect on the rest of that team season than the NFL, in my view. And the day, the deadline is what time exactly? Is it four o'clock? Uh, four p.m. Eastern. Yeah, four p.m. So in the next ninety-seven minutes, we'll see whether or not the Colts are players in any way, shape, or form. And again, I think probably some of that comes down to if a player on an expiring deal. Uh, to, to circle back for those that are just joining us, Stephen, it would seem as though if there was a move that was going to be made for the Colts, it would likely be not that they're actively going out and trying to get somebody, but rather maybe that somebody wants to pluck away one of their players that's on an expiring deal and the Colts go ahead and get what they can for that player. Would you agree with that sentiment? I think possibly, yeah. I mean, or I think the other likely scenario would be a very competitive team that has a blind spot that they need to address. 
and and whether that guy gets re-signed or not, you know, is, is maybe not as urgent for them. It might be about this year. That's what I think. And and it would have to be a guy the Colts could afford to lose in the long term, and and someone you know they feel good moving forward without and being competitive without in 2024. That would you know to kind of add a little context to what you're saying. Lastly, are you be? I know you grew up in Miami, and I would assume are the are the Heat your NBA team? I mean, I pay attention to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I wouldn't say I have like a you know a diehard team, but I yeah, I, look, I root I rooted for them last year in the uh, in the finals, as futile as that was. Are you becoming a Pacer fan? Can we get you to become a Pacer fan? No, I I actually yeah, I that's the other team I care about. I mean, I, I actually do follow the Pacers. Um, I've got to get myself set up to actually watch the Pacers on TV. Well, uh, apparently that app issue. had some issues last night. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't signed up. I need to do that. But uh, yes, having gone to a fair number of games, some of them even with you, uh, the last couple of years, yeah, I'm I'm into the Pacers, and I actually think this is a, a team this year that could be really fun. It does seem to be the case so far. So yeah, I, I would say definitely. Definitely a Pacer fan, for sure. I follow them and I root for them. I agree they are pretty fun to watch, and we'll see where things go from here. But, Stephen, I know it's a busy day. We'll let you get back to it to see if anything happens here between now and 4 o'clock. But appreciate the time, as always. Look forward to talking to you again. All right, guys. See you soon. All right, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. Again, trade deadline coming up at 4 o'clock. I think we're going to have Bob Kravitz on here shortly to get his thoughts as well on both those, the Pacers and the Colts. Uh, it's going to be really cold for trick-or-treating, right? Yes, like the coldest in what I saw since like the fifties or the sixties. Like, shouldn't every kid just go as like Chewbacca or like a snowman or something? Sure, or not a snowman, but like a um, like a polar bear or something where you like you have an excuse to totally pack it on. Correct. Is every kid going to be out like trick or treating wearing a coat and you can't tell what they are? Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus would be a good one, right? You, you mentioned trick or treating as a kid. This is the ultimate litmus test for a lot of young kids that feel like they're too cool to wear a jacket. Oh yeah. Will will they still power through that tonight when it's going to be in the 30s, or it's will rough, they, they cave and, and end up putting on a sweatshirt or a jacket? Going to be rough. Uh, Bob Kravitz, by the way, not rough. Joins us next. Uh, rolling along on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It has actually turned out to be a pretty sun-splashed and pretty-looking Tuesday NFL trade deadline day. Pacers last night, short end against Chicago Bulls. Talking about that and more, joining us on the program, Bob Kravitz, our friend, of course, longtime writer here in Indianapolis. And Bob, as I always do before we get to anything else, let our listeners know how they can continue to read the weekly and, for that matter, almost daily columns of Bob Kravitz, including Dopey Report Cards. Yes, uh, just go to bobkravitz.substack.com. You'll make me very happy. Okay, and you will be happy because you will be able to read about everything going on in Central Indiana and the world of sports. And in that capacity, Bob, I will give you, not dealer's choice, but recipient's choice, let you choose. Colts, Pacers, which way you want to start? Let's start with the Colts. Okay, uh, first off, your thoughts just not only in that New Orleans game, because maybe we kind of turned the page on that, but... Um, but moving forward from it, I felt like that was going to be a boulder in the stream game for one of those two teams and that one might take one fork in the road and the other 
that that kind of changes maybe their complexion of how they look at the rest of the year. New Orleans needed the win. The Colts get the loss. What does that do, if anything, to the way the Colts approach the rest of the season? Well, I, I think specifically with the, with the trade deadline, I think it, if they do anything, they would be they would be sellers rather than buyers. Uh, I don't think this. Uh, look, I don't. I predict, predicted them to win three games this year, so I, I didn't think they're going to be any good. But you look at the schedule. Uh, they've got you know at Carolina, and then they go to Germany to play New England. They could very easily be five and five after ten games, and, and then they're kind of back in the you know they're they're they're, they're back in the race a little bit now. I think. You know, I don't think they have any chance, honestly. But um, I, I don't. I don't think they'll be significant sellers at the at the trade deadline. If they do anything, it'll be something small, like like the Naheem Hines trade uh, one year ago. When you look at Bob, the, we'll start with the defensive backfield. I, I go back and forth on this. Part of me thinks that. Chris Ballard basically didn't address this, and therefore they're in a situation of kind of crisis at, at defensive back. Then the other side of me thinks he actually did, though. Jake, he drafted a guy. He he, you know, he got Juju Brents is going to be a good young player, but he's hurt, and that this is just such a, just a situation of timing and injuries going against them. Which way do you see it? I think that the moment the Dallas Flowers went down, and then certainly the moment that Juju Brents went down, they needed. It was incumbent upon Chris Ballard to go get himself a veteran uh, cornerback. Those guys are out there. We saw Marcus Peters uh, last night uh, return a, an interception 75 yards. He was available. Um, so, you know, I thought they started out the season really thin there. I mean, you, you had two UDFAs and two rookies as your top four cornerbacks. Um so that was that was going to be a pressure point from the very beginning, and then when you had the injuries and you had the Isaiah Rogers gambling violation, you were in deep trouble. So I, I place this on on Ballard. You had a guy there, um, well, first first Baker, and and then um, uh, who's the guy who screwed up this week? Uh, oh, that'd be uh, Toast Tony Brown. The Toast, yeah, <laughs> Tony Brown. I mean, this poor guy. Yeah, it was his fault, but I, I blame I blame Ballard more than anything. This is a guy who is a special teams ace, who uh, never, uh, who rarely played on the outside. For the life of me, I don't understand why at halftime they didn't decide to put Kenny Moore outside and move uh, Nick Cross uh, inside or to you know to safety, whatever. Move move Blackman Blackman in. Um, that made no sense to me. I mean, you've got to make adjustments, and clearly, I mean, Tony Brown gave up seven uh, receptions in seven attempts for 185 yards. I mean, you and me could do that. Longtime sports writer Bob Kravitz is our guest. You can find his work on Substack, Musings of an Old Sports Writer. Bob, eight games in, have we learned enough or at least to get a general idea of how things will run offensively under Shane Steichen? Boy, I hope not, because I'd like to see some more uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I, I've been very, very uh, confused 
by the way they run Jonathan Taylor. It seems like when Taylor gets the hot hand, he's on the bench. And when Zach Moss gets a hot hand, he's still out there because he's got the hot hand. Um, I think this team needs to put the rest of the season on the shoulders of, of, of Jonathan Taylor. When you have Gardner Minshew throwing more than 30 passes a game, that's, that's a problem. Uh, that, that's something you can't, you can't come back from because you know he's going to turn the ball over. Maybe not interceptions, but certainly fumbles. I mean, he started 25 games or so in his career, and he's got like 25 fumbles. So you know that's an issue for him. So I, I just I, I hope they evolve from here, and I hope they evolve in a way that, um, that, that you know, makes Jonathan Taylor more of a bell cow. When you look, Bob, at just – I want to go back to Gardner Minshew. My concern was this, and I want you to feel free to tell me if I'm way off base here. I remember early when Minshew came out, I thought he played well. and I mean, and he is a serviceable backup. There's no question about yeah, that. But the longer no a guy's a backup, the more he gets exposed a little bit. I felt like there was about a two- to three-game window where if he played well – and you thought maybe you could flip him for like a fifth rounder, you had to kind of do so then because the longer it went, the more you were going to see why his value would drop to the point where teams would would not be as enticed. And I feel like his turnovers now have hurt yeah. that. Did they miss their window, so to speak? I'm not saying they were looking to yeah. move him, but if they were going to, did they miss their window? Yeah, I, I think that you know teams like the Jets, um, certainly now you've got the Minnesota Vikings who are going to be looking for somebody. I guess Jameis Winston is somebody they're considering. Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago you could make an easy case for moving him. Now he's all you got. Uh, and, and, again, I just don't think that teams who need a starter are, are necessarily looking at Gardner Minshew as any kind of answer. So, yeah, I do think they, they, they did miss. They didn't miss their chance, but at the same time, it's probably a good thing because you really want to see Sam Ellinger the rest of the year. Bob, where would you rank tight end in the discussion of not necessarily moves for the rest of the year, but moves going forward in terms of pecking order of things that need to be addressed when the offseason finally arrives? Yeah, that's a big one. I, I am so tired of tight end by committee having 12 guys in the room or whatever they got. I think they got five. None of them. I mean, Kylan Granson shows sparks. You know, you you see you see guys flash every once in a while, but you know when it's like having two quarterbacks. When you've got two, you've got none. When you've got tight end by committee, you ain't got nothing, uh, and you don't have a committee. Uh, you got a bunch of guys who are just okay. So uh, you look at the really good teams. You look at the teams that Steichen has had over the years in, in, uh, with the Chargers and then with the Eagles. They had terrific tight ends, Goddard, uh, in Philly. So that's definitely an area that they need to, they need to improve uh, dramatically. Bob, switching to the Pacers, I'm really bullish on them. Pardon the pun because they lost to Chicago last night. But um, I think you know usually it takes 20 games to really figure out who you are. I think they're deep. And I don't think they're deep because they're simply average at each position. I think they've got really good players and then good players to back up those players at, at virtually every spot. And 
I think Rick Carlisle is going to have a challenge maybe in just figuring out exactly what his rotation is and where it tightens. Um, your expectations for Indiana this year? I think they're going to win, you know, 42 to 44 games, somewhere in there. I think they're a little bit over 500. I think they'll make the playoffs or, or if, if it's top, if it's not top heavy, I expect it to be top heavy in the East, but there's a chance to play in game situation, but I think they'll make the playoffs. I really like this team. Uh, I wish I could tell you more about last night's game, but unfortunately I'm one of those stupid saps who bought the Bally app, which did not uh, operate last night. How, how does that work? Um, I mean, how, how is it possible, Bob, when you're asking your fan base to pay $20 a month, $20 a month right. for basically one purpose only, and you screw up that right. purpose? How is that possible, and do you get a refund? Honestly, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I mean, if you're I'm paying for something to get 80 games, shouldn't you get something back? I knew I made a bad decision. Yeah. Oh no. I I on Twitter last night, I was bitching like crazy, and uh, that was one of the things I said. Is that you know, do I get do I get a you know maybe a three dollar refund? But it's 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 that's not the the point. The point is you had one job and you didn't do it, and. You know, I, I changed my schedule so that I could watch the stupid Pacers game, and then it wasn't on. Uh, no, thank God the uh, the World Series was on. But um, anyway, I, I I think I think they're going to be a really good, fun, compelling team. It was a bad loss last night, but you know, I I think they've got a star in Halliburton. I think I think Brown, Bruce Brown, is going to be a really nice addition. I've been really impressed by Jalen Smith so far coming off the bench. Yeah, he's played well. I think it's yeah, I think it's going to be a real challenge for for Rick Carlisle because you've got a lot of guys who deserve minutes, and it's going to be a challenge for him to keep everybody happy. Bob, I asked this earlier in the show, and I want to get your thoughts on it as well. My only concern, I think it's a lot of Pacers fans' concerns going into the season, is how would the defense look compared to last year? Should we be worried about a 34-22 to in terms of how the Bulls outscored them in the fourth? Or is it, like Jake mentioned, even though last year's in the back of our mind, two-game sample size, let's see the season progress before we start shouting for the mountaintops? Yeah, I think think you've got to wait and see. I mean, defense and, and a new system takes a while. Uh, so I wouldn't get all hot and bothered just yet. Um, certainly, I, I was at the Wizards game, and the Wizards, I think, had 39 points and 63% shooting in the first quarter. That was not a good sign. But then they then they tightened it up and played very well the rest of the way. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, that and rebounding. Uh, they're, they're not a great rebounding team. They were near the bottom of the league in, in most rebounding categories last year. So I still – I don't know how much that's going to improve, but I certainly think defensively with the new new way they're doing things, I think they're going to be better over time. But it's going to, it's going to, it's going to take some games, some weeks. More likely to be receiving a paycheck in the state of Indiana one year from right now. T.J. McConnell, Michael Pittman, Tom Allen. Most likely? Yep. Um. Oh, I would say Pittman. Okay, I, least I least likely. Oh, least likely Tom Allen. You think least Tom likely, Allen could yeah. be moved at the end of this year, Bob? 
I do. I, I look. Do you really want a lame duck for one more year so you can save thirteen million dollars? I mean, it's a twenty million dollar buyout now. It's an eight million dollar buyout uh, at the end of next year. If they got the money, just do it. Bite the bullet, rip the Band-Aid off, whatever you want to say. Uh, this team is not good. It hasn't been good in a long time. And, I, look, I like Tom Allen a lot. I think he's he's real. Um, you know, I, there's no artifice about him. That said, uh, this team is not good. I remember when they said a couple of years ago it was their greatest recruiting class ever in the history of Indiana. And they haven't done anything with it. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of guys left in the portal. It's hard to maintain anything. But yeah, I, I think that Tom Allen, uh, if they got the money, uh, go ahead and rip the bandaid off because you don't want a lame duck coach. It, it makes recruiting next to impossible. And it's funny, Bob, because the narrative is. Indiana won't make that move because Indiana doesn't financially commit to football. And I'm like, well, actually, the buyout cost is the reason why right now he might have a chance, and that's because they overcommitted financially to football, quite they frankly. Did. They you know did. what I mean? Absolutely. They got, they got too excited by the 8-5 and, and the 6-2. and two. They, paid, they paid him like he was, he was all that, and it turns out he's not. Um, you know, the quarterback situation is atrocious. I, I Look, they – they played really well against Penn State, but you know you have to think that that's the anomaly. Lastly, Bob Bob Kravitz is our guest. Um, I, I I only ask because you know I know obviously that you travel a fair amount and that you are Jewish. That that latter part is somewhat irrelevant to this point, but uh, I'm going on vacation later today. I'm leaving later this afternoon, and on Friday I'm going to be in the attic where Anne Frank was in Amsterdam. Have, oh, you, have you been there? Wow. I, <clears throat> you know, I think I was there as a kid. Uh, when, we were, when I was 13 years old, my father had a business trip uh, in Amsterdam, and I believe I was there, but, again, we're talking about right. 50 years ago. So who remembers? That is going to be absolutely fascinating. I remember reading the diary of Anne Frank oh, yeah. a long, long time ago. And and I hear you get in trouble in Amsterdam. Uh, that, that's the rumor. <laughs> well, you know what? Here, here's what's funny. Most of what, not not all, but a lot of what was the draw for Amsterdam as in terms of its legality, now you can basically do in the United States. Not all of it, some exactly. of it. Exactly. Um, I'm going with Shannon, so I don't know that all of those things are necessarily going to be an open forum, right? But, um, <laughs> you know, when I read, when I was in the eighth grade, I read the Diary of Anne Frank in Carla Shadio's English class, and I actually texted her when I bought the plane tickets and said, you, you planted in me a curiosity and right. a thirst for an understanding. And so that has been a bucket list item for me my entire life. And so Friday we're going to be there, you know, uh, God willing, we'll be there. And you can only go like 12 people per 30 minutes or whatever. I don't know if that's a COVID thing or also just because obviously it's not a huge area. Um, but right, I am curious right. about it. I am curious about it. Well, that, that's going to be absolutely fascinating. I'm telling you, you need to write a book. Well, actually, the Query Chronicles. I'll tell the story and you can ghostwrite it. How's that? Or it can just be one of those, as told to Bob Kravitz, right? Bob, appreciate the time as always. All right, my pleasure, guys. Good talking to you. We'll come back, keep an eye on the NFL trade machine, if you will, and then I'm assuming maybe we can even have Jimmy incorporate. You're going to 
put some teams in terms of their movement before the deadline into your picks of the day? Trying to, trying to cook Did up something Did you overcome special. last night's sub-equinox, whatever you called it, with like nine different sporting events taking I, place? I did survive the sports equinox. Thank okay, you for well, asking. Good. I and appreciate that. you had your that. hat on backwards the whole time, by the way. I did. Yes, you're right. I did. Good looking. <laughs> I looked down. It looked like you were getting ready to go on Yo! MTV Raps <laughs> in the second row. Uh, we'll do all that. Put a bow tie, or just a tie in general, on all of it next. Welcome back, Querying Company. Happy Halloween to you. NFL trade deadline on its way, about an hour and eight minutes from now, insert bad pencils down GIF here. You know that'll be around. That's every deadline day. We do have some breaking news on that front, though. And Eddie, I believe you have it for us. NFL trade deadline, a big move coming out of Washington. They traded Montez Sweat earlier. They're trading their other star pass rusher, that being you know, the Ohio State product, Chase Young. He is being traded to the San Francisco 49ers for a third-round pick. Look, I want to tip the cap to everybody in San Francisco because it feels like Oof. deadline day after deadline day or close to the deadline, they're willing to take big swings. We mentioned Christian McCaffrey earlier in the show when they did that a couple years back and the idea, my goodness, of Chase Young and Nick Bosa coming at you if you're an offensive coordinator or another quarterback in the league that's trying to prepare for that, that, that'll get you nightmares. Talk about spooky season. That's what that is. Speaking of spooky season, got some bets for you. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, alright? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day we'll start with the NBA. Donovan Mitchell of the Cleveland Cavaliers is questionable tonight as the Cavs are in New York. I think he's going to play. If he does, give me over 38 and a half combined points and assists for the spider himself, Donovan Mitchell. See what I did there, Eddie? Little yeah, little Spider-Man yeah, play off sure. there? Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. All right. Okay. Anyway, Baseball World Series. The Diamondbacks get it done tonight. I'll take them on the money line. Andrew Heaney is on the mound for the Rangers. Maybe it's some PTSD for me as a Yankees fan, but I think that the Diamondbacks get after Heaney early, which is why we're also saying, yes, there will be a run in the first inning of the World Series tonight. Eddie, do you have anything this evening? I do, Jimmy. I will be laying the three and a half on the New York Knickerbockers against the Cleveland Cavaliers, even if Donovan Mitchell is playing just because I like them in terms of their matchup against uh, the Cavaliers without Jarrett Allen and Darius Garland. Trying to pull up something really quick, so give me one second. Um, I'm looking into this Clippers magic game tonight. It's the night night game. It's not Victor Wimbanyama. It's after Victor Wimbanyama. But I will take Paul George over 24 and a half points back to back for the magic tonight. And I think Paul George able to get it done. Kawhi Leonard also a solid play too. If you prefer the over 23 and a half with the claw. We didn't talk about this today. And I don't know if we will or not tomorrow. James Harden. There's been more pressing news. But yeah, James Harden, if in case you've not been in the sports know-how today, James Harden gets traded from Philadelphia to the Clippers today. We won't get into the packages of how that happened, but it's now Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook out there in L.A. Uh, my one final note on the trade deadline, as we have about a minute or so left before we throw it over to John, is if the Colts wind up not doing anything, And I would argue if you got the right package, I love him as a player, but as you're looking at where this team is and how much you're going to have to pay him next year, if you got the right package, I would consider moving Michael Pittman Jr. Now to clarify that, Eddie and I both agree that's not going to happen. I highly doubt the Colts do that. So let's assume they don't. If they do not trade Michael Pittman Jr. in the next hour, 
I don't want this to be another Jonathan Taylor circus in the offseason. Get a deal done early within the offseason and lock him up as a part of the Anthony Richardson era. That's something that I think is a key piece to what the Colts offseason is going to be about. Yes, I would like them to also go spend to get another wideout in free agency if they must. I want them to do what the Jaguars did and overpay if you have to. And maybe that starts internally with Michael Pittman Jr. There's a number of players on this Colts roster that are in a contract year right now. Grover Stewart, Julian Blackman, Kenny Moore, Michael Pittman Jr. I would argue as a general manager, if you're going to sit back and not deal any of them today, they should be a part of your future moving forward, at least for a time being. And for Michael Pittman Jr., there's value to be had there. If you keep him, I want an extension done for Michael Pittman Jr. Brian Noah is in for Jake tomorrow. Hope you'll come along with us as well. Happy Halloween. The Ride with JMV is next. Keep it right here.